Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. This is Sugar Steve from Quest Love Supreme. On this week's QLS Classic, we revisit our interview with Philip Bailey. He talks about growing up in Denver, Colorado, creating and performing some amazing songs with Earth, Wind, and Fire, his solo career, and collaborating with Phil Collins. He's like no other. Episode number 130 from April 10th, 2019. Enjoy. But don't don't screw up Phil and Billy. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. 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 I'm not confrontational. Yeah. I throw no shade. Yeah. But Philip and I about to fight yeah. over his opinions on race. Oh, wow. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. My name is Fonte. Yeah. And this is how I ball. Yeah. When I go walking. Yeah. On the Chinese wall. Roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. yeah. Sugar Steve. Yeah. Before you know it, yeah. you'll be on your knees. Oh, no, Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Fuck Bill's my name. Yeah. Patrice Russian is the bomb. Yeah. Because Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. yeah. Didn't play my prom. Roll call. Uh, uh, right. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. It's Laiem. Yeah. And Mr. Bailey. Yes, please. Yeah. I love you so much. Yeah. But I'm just trying to make you see. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Well, I'm here. Yeah. And you know. 
Yeah. That I can go. Yeah. And I can flow. Roll car. <laughs> Suprema. Suprema roll car. What are you going to do? Suprema. roll car. Suprema. Suprema roll car. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Hey, real quick, who was that? So <laughs> I totally didn't. I was get trying that. to find some one of my favorite lyrics in Easy Love, and then you messed it up. Steve messed it up because he did the Easy Love reference, and I was it's supposed uh, to go, and wait. I'm just trying to make you see. All right, wait. Oh, oh, okay, oh, okay. No. All right, okay. Wait, I got time it. Out. Okay, now first I of all, <laughs> Steve, as basically. I mean, he's done everything but tattooed the 45 <laughs> onto his chest. You had to know that Steve was going to give I actually, the Phil Collins. Yeah. I thought know. it was too small. Oh, yeah. No, uh, this Phil song Collins. changed my life, I'm sure. But he did the whole album. You could have picked any song. Well, <laughs> really? Yeah, but, you know. But uh, I think you have a, a deeper well of earth, wind, and fire and feel of daily knowledge than Steve here. So. You should have left Easy Lover to me. Every, yeah, like. I think yeah. the consensus. It was, no, that, yeah, was my, that was my song. No, that was my song. You got with the, I'm with you on the raise. I'm, re- I'm ready for the raise debate. Yeah, because. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. This, anyway. Uh, raise had heat. Yeah, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> my entire. <laughs> My entire goals and dreams of this podcast uh, is basically to educate and enlighten you all as listeners, but mostly is basically for the five of us to just nerd out <laughs> a whole bunch of questions that only a few of y'all are going to get when we ask them, <laughs> as you've seen during the Jimmy Jam episode and the Ray Parker episode and Babyface and Greg Filling Gaines. But um, the time has come upon us to make our dreams come true Ooh. here at QLS. Man, we are truly blessed to be in the presence of royalty. Yeah. Uh, bar none, I, be- I I believe that our guest today is uh, one of the most skilled vocalists of his generation. Yes. And I'm not talented, not gifted, but skilled, skilled yeah. absolutely skilled. Um, of all the silky falsetto vocal gods of uh, 70s funk soul outfits, our guest today resides personally in my number one slot mm-hmm. oh, in man. my personal list. Uh, he's a seven-time Grammy Award winner a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and a member of one of the most cherished, beloved supergroups in the entire history of music. Yes, no even, hyperbole. My, I, even my hyperbole is, <laughs> is understated this particular episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give flowers and respect and love to our guest today. We've been dying to get on the show since its inception. The one and only, Phil Bailey. Yes. yes. Yeah, yes. man. Praise him. Wow, well, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great intro. Yeah. That, that might have been the best intro. Yeah, yeah that was well, yeah. Done. well done, sir. Yeah. Nah, I, I, I've been waiting for this moment. Whenever my self-esteem is low, I'll just play that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Okay, man. so why do you hate Ray's? No, no, let's get to it. No, well, let's get, just go ahead and get no, out. No, 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 please. please, okay. please. Right, I, no. I got to start. <laughs> now, I want to make sure I do this the right way. Um... Well, thank you for coming on the show, man. Well, I'm honored to be here. Really, this this like you. This show is tailor made just for you to be on, straight up and down. Oh, very yes. cool, very yes. cool. All right, so I'm um, quickly starting at your beginnings because yeah. you have a, a a history that we got to get through everything. Um, so Denver, Denver, Colorado. What is life like in Denver when you're in your formative years? Mile High City. Now you know, amazingly, there was so much talent. In the Denver area, you know, you know, Diane Reeves is from from Denver too. Oh, 
I, I actually that. brought brought her yes. out to Los Angeles. She was in a group that I was producing called Free Love, Free Life. Okay. And I had to talk to her mother and tell her mother, I'm, "Don't worry, I'm gonna take care of her. Everything's gonna be cool." She had just gotten out of high school. Really? Yeah. But there's like there was so much talent. I always tell people that um, basically I was just one of the pack, you know, and I got an opportunity. Uh, but you know, I played drums. Uh, through school, you know, from the fourth grade through through college, because I was going to be a percussionist, uh-huh. and uh, so I was doing gigs and stuff. You know, you know that scene, um, uh, the regular gigs, and then the late night stuff. You know, and I would sing on one gig and I would play, or sing on another. Right. Okay. Yeah. So wait, wait. You you mentioned something and just set off a, a mini rabbit hole that's about to happen on the show. <laughs> does Diane Reeves still live in Denver? Yes, she does. Uh, you want to know something? Okay. The very first time, the, the first day that the Roots recorded at Battery Studio, a tribe called Quest was in Studio B, and they were doing uh, a version of Grant Green's Down Here on the Ground. They were yeah, producing it. Yeah, it was for that Blue Note wow. thing. Right. Yeah, but the yeah, thing yeah. was, I never knew, like, the technology was so new at the time to have someone in a whole other state singing their uh-huh. vocals. So they made it. There was something wrong with the 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 uh, whatever communication they were using for Diane Reeves oh, to sing yeah. her right. Yeah. This is 1993 though. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> she was singing in Denver. Like we were like amazed. Like wow, Tribe Called Quest is producing Diane Reeves live at Denver, and you know that mm-hmm. that whole thing. So okay. You, so was this the time you you had this group when you were already established, Philip Billy or? The, no, that was she like appear like yeah no I, yeah first? I was already established okay, I, I was okay. already out in Los Angeles you know with the band and everything okay yeah so yeah I'll say that Denver isn't the the spot I think of when I think of usually a lot of our our our, our great singers and especially in the era of soul their experience is down south or mm-hmm. sometimes Midwest Chicago that right that sort of thing but how does soul reach yeah, the, the Mile High City. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody everybody from the South, <laughs> some kind of way. Right. Right? So, uh, basically, you know, the, all the, the blues and jazz and, and uh, no, I, we, didn't, we didn't have no R&B or jazz radio stations and stuff, you know, like, so I grew up listening to country and, you know, middle, middle country, you know, rock and all that kind of stuff. Um, love me some bluegrass and wow. all that kind of stuff. Because I was about to say, because usually people, uh, usually Earth, Wind, and Fire is the answer for people when they're in the middle of nowhere, America, and Earth, Wind, and Fire is usually like the one group that somehow seeps through the system of of you know radio or whatever reaches people. But it's like, what does a member of Earth, Wind, and Fire listen to when Earth, Wind, and Fire and doesn't exist. I'm doesn't. listening to you. I'm listening to all <laughs> no, stuff. No, no, no. I'm, just I'm, I'm listening to all kinds of stuff that you're doing. And no, and, no, no. I just meant when you were when you were a kid growing oh, up. Oh, like, yeah. Was the, do you remember the first album you ever purchased? Or uh, well, you know, everybody was listening to uh, Jackie Wilson and and people like that. But I, I grew up and rum, rummaging through my friend's mother's music music uh, selection. Okay. So. Uh, she was a jazzer, and her boyfriend was a uh, jazz bassist. So I grew up listening to, you know, straight up jazz, you know, straight ahead. 
was there a black church experience in? in oh yeah, life? oh yeah. I mean, I was I was raised Catholic, but I I did I sang with a group called Echoes of Youth, and uh, in Denver, and uh, you know there there was a lot of talented singers, but also the choir director, Miss Joanne Ryan, she also would have different entertainers to come and teach us how to sell a song and, you know, just give us input on, you know, how to perform and all that stuff. So, you know, actually Pam Greer was in that group with me. Really? Yeah. What other notable Denverites do we not know? That Well, uh, Bill, Bill Fazell. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. He was, a, he was, he was in, we were in the same um, orchestra and he was the first clear clarinet player. I didn't even know he played guitar until, until I was out, gone, and famous. And they was talking about Bill Fazell and he said, on guitar. And I said, "You mean clarinet player first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. So, how does now? I'm thinking like again, the way we are today with technology. You know, I I can know of a, a soulful singer in India in like two seconds, but how does word how does word even spread about who or what you do that gets the attention of, I assume that your, was Earth, Wind & Fire your first professional group or? Uh, no, well, first recording professional group. Cause you know, like back then there were clubs. So I started playing in clubs when I was like 15 okay. and stuff. So, you know, I was performing and all that kind of stuff and, and traveling and, you know, not extensive traveling, going to Kansas city, right. you know, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, a guy named Perry Jones, who, yeah, Earth, yeah, Perry Jones was <laughs> the one that got that 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 was uh, uh, kind of mentoring our group that that Larry Dunn was in, right. Friends of Love, and and Andrew Wolfolk, and uh, he went out to be the first promotion man for Warner Brothers, okay. and when he 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 came back and with a with a album that was just white. And, and he gave it to us, to me and Carl and the rest of a bunch of guys. And it was Earth, Wind & Fire's rec- first record. So, so you were not there for the Warner period? I wasn't there for the Warner period. Okay. So or the or the Sweet Sweetback period. In not, the- nope. Can you, can you settle the rumor that Bill Cosby was the one that... No, okay, I'm thinking of uh, Charles... Charles Stepney? Bill, no, 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 Bill... <sighs> no, let's talk about Bill Cosby for a little while. <laughs> uh, he had a history before his history. Anyway, uh, no, Bill Cosby... You, but, uh, uh, express yourself, Charles... Uh, Charles Wright. Charles, Charles Wright, yeah. yeah. All right, but... Uh, that was Cosby. Uh, sweet, that was Cosby. Sweet, sweet back is... Uh, uh, Melvin Van Peebles. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, he was in... That's what they said, right? It was Cosby was connected. So, oh... Cosby so, was connected to um, Charles Wright. Okay, and he was connected to Sweet Sweetback. Right. Yeah, he helped find right him. somewhere. I'm I'm getting it all mixed up. So, well, you know, Jim Brown is part of the history okay. of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Too. Really? How so? You know, because he was actually uh, managing the band for a minute before before I got in it. Jim and, Brown? Yeah, Jim, and and oh, then oh. Bill um, J- uh, uh, Ruffalo and Cavallo. Oh, you know, okay. kind of they they actually paid him. A little bit to you know get the band. Oh really? Yeah. So Ruffalo and Cavallo were a thing even in the early seventies. Yeah, because they you know they used to run clubs and all that kind of stuff together before they actually moved out to uh, Los Angeles. I always wanted to know what their story was. Okay. Right. 
And Ruffalo and Cavallo, they were Prince's managers. So. Yeah, yeah. They, they were our managers. And that that was um, the Perry Jones hook hookup. Because okay. Perry Jones w- actually w- you know, was introduced to Prince. Prince is the one that, that turned him on they, him on to um, Cavallo Ruffalo because Prince wanted to do what Earth, Wind & Fire was doing. And so he said, I want to meet those guys that, that manage Earth, Wind & Fire. I had heard that, that Verdine was supposed to produce Prince's yeah, first album. Was that? Had you ever heard anything about like? About no, that? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hear that. His name came up in like a wish list. Oh, okay. For the for the label, so Perry Jones, like I always from reading the album credits, I always wondered, it, would he always introduce your shows? Presenting. <laughs> you know how one thing is just leading into the other, and uh, Perry did that, and and it happened to be on that gratitude album okay so okay. that's what actually just gave him that that fame oh, okay know? yeah because but that's... he didn't do it all the time oh okay i see um so so you said that larry dunn and andrew wolfolk was there yeah they we they were, were all in, in your this, band yeah in my band right so larry's also from denver or? denver yep oh i never knew that i never knew that so how did you guys hook up well we were ki- we were in school together you know, and uh, Larry was in the ninth grade, and I was in the eleventh grade. And we were playing in a band together, and uh, Andrew's family moved to uh, Denver. He was a service brat, uh, so we had we had a group that was playing in clubs and colleges and all that kind of stuff. What type of music? We would do everything. Actually, we would do top forty, but then we'd also do. Uh, Carol King, we do Three Dog Night, Rare Earth. We, you know, we, you know, we, we could do pretty much anything that was on the radio. Okay, so pretty much early seventies. Mm, well, sixties stuff, you know. Oh, and and then I had a, a you know, I do quartet stuff where you know it was Jimmy Smith kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because we'd have bands where you know this guy named Al Hammond Moore who would play, you know, play the, the bass with, you know, uh, with, with his feet, you know. the Right, right, okay. On the V3. On the and uh, I was either playing drums or, or singing in that group. Okay, so I, I was going to wait till you guys got to Columbia, but I might as well ask now. Um, how many octaves is your voice? Because, of course, your, your, your golden gif is... Your, oh, your, your range. falsetto stuff, right? Um, actually, I I'm a baritone. I I studied operatic baritone in school. What? Yeah, oh, wow. in in German and stuff. I remember that stuff. Man. Yeah. So, um, but I grew up listening to you know, uh, Sarah Vaughan and Dinah Washington, and all because you hear that stuff at the house, and I kind of mimicked those voices because of the passion, you know, the the, the lyrical sense. Um, but then growing up, um, I would, you know, I would, I could sing, you know, whatever genre I was, we were doing on, on stage and stuff. So I, I was playing a gig and uh, the, a teacher from one of the colleges was there and said, wow, you have an amazing falsetto. And I said, <laughs> I said, that's what that is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't even know what a falsetto was. So what what is your daily routine? Is this one of those like, oh, natural gift from God or 
Are you a Seth Riggs? <laughs> I, you know, coach? I did study with Seth. Really? Yeah, I did study with Seth, and uh, uh, you know, Seth can only he can only teach what's there, you know. But you know, everyone that has uh, taught with uh, studied with him um, gets gets something, you know. Um, How long is his average? Uh, session how long does it take he would just go with you it wouldn't go probably past two hours but he would just go with you until you you know uh until we, you know you there was a, a a real breakthrough i remember when stevie was studying with him and then that song came out and he goes oh i am singing for tomorrow right i was like this like what oh really? what that was like right around the time he was studying with with seth how how does word about Seth Riggs get around? Because all right, for our listeners that don't Nisi know, Nisi study with him, really. Mm-hmm. So Seth Riggs, uh, for you QLS listeners out there, um, is pretty much the V go to standard of 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 vocal uh, coaching, and vocal coaching. Uh, probably most famously, his his Michael Jackson warm up uh, sessions are on YouTube. Just uh, Google Michael Jackson Seth Riggs, um, of which. There are various exercises. No, 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 no. Like, what is the purpose of doing those scales but with different enunciations? Well, you can hear, you know, where you're speaking, where your voice is speaking from, you know, and he just connects, you know, that with singing, you know, just shows you where where to place different things. And the that... Goes is showing you how to get into your head, your head voice. You know, yeah, because you gotta. If you do that, you have to. You have to go. There's no way other. You can't go. You if you. You can't do anything but go to your head. Your head. Okay. So, so there are ver- various. So for various ranges, you have to pick a, a certain body part to. Yeah, because I always heard uh, like teachers in my school would say like sing from your uh, diaphragm, <laughs> right? But I always find myself when I'm naturally singing, what I always sing from my throat, and they're always saying that's wrong. Yeah, so but how when do- you hear your talk, your speaking voice, like what you just said right there, right? You spoke from down here. So, uh, but is it natural instinct for you to do the right thing, or like it's it's natural? It's it's very natural now. But back then, you were. Yeah, but you know, back then, if you if you lose your voice a few times and all that kind of stuff, obviously, you know, you you're you're singing from the wrong place or, you know, or straining the door doing certain things oh, wrong. Oh Jesus Christ! I didn't even ask. Like, what if you're hoarse one night and you can't do reasons, <laughs> or just can't do it? <laughs> that happened last year. Really? At, yeah, in Vegas, man. For I was like, there was you know there was this curtain on the stage that they hadn't taken down for eons and they and they they lowered it and brought it back up and they said there was dust all oh, over the instruments man. and stuff you know so that's really fine got into my, my my you know my voice and man three nights really man i couldn't sing i couldn't sing too much of nothing at all okay so is oh, i'm so glad we have a singer singer on the show i always okay i always kind of side i I'm, I'm a straight up musician i never consider myself a singer or whatever so i mean i'm respecting the fact that singing is an instrument 
but having dealt having dealt with the demands of Aretha Franklin <laughs> and Luther Vandross, uh, Aretha Franklin famously, uh, she can't go into any building that's uh, under yeah under seventy eight degrees. So whenever she would visit late night, because we had a universal uh, she walked around with a thermometer. Is that what you said? <laughs> no, she she would have these like these four dudes that pretty much Steve Harvey Detroit pimp dressed looking cats, <laughs> but they would have like Secret Service like earpieces and everything. They would come in around 10 p.m. the night before, and they would rotate sitting by the master therom- uh, thermometer thing, like one in the basement, literally, so that if someone comes in like, Oof, it's hot as hell, and you can't do it. So literally, anytime Aretha Franklin was ever on The Tonight Show, a guy would come in and do three hours sitting by wherever the master thermostat is for the entire sixth floor to make sure that no one touches it. Trinity, I want that happening for me. (laughs) (laughs) But this this is what what, what I'm really asking, and Luther Vandross also uh, famously would make uh, all air conditioning off in any stadium that he's ever been in. I I just want to know, is part of that psychosomatic? No, it's it's, it's definitely not. That's real? It's definitely not. It's like, I I try, you know, I, I try, but... I, I laid down like on a couch like that at a gig and stuff, and the air conditioning was on, you know. And I started to tell him, "Y'all, you should probably turn it off," and stuff. And I laid down and put my jacket over my head, and I did go to sleep. I couldn't sing for three days. Yeah, they really? fuck you up. That shit is I, the I, worst. It's the it's the freon, you know that that messes with the vocal with vocals. Some vocal cords. Okay. Some people. Some people can you know can do it. But it's the same with me. Like when you get on that tour bus or whatever, my my the back bay is a it's it's a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's also the the real reason why there was a Gryffindor and Slytherin bus between Tariq and I because Tariq is Doctor Africa, like <laughs> and a smoke box and yeah. a hot box and that's smokes. crazy, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like you know it, it has to be. 100 degrees to do that so Wait. that that is not psychosomatic that's no real. Nah, that's, real. that's real so let me ask this question then do you have a daily routine of maintenance for mm, not really not really do you eat dairy yeah yeah so you know none, none of that stuff that i'll you tell know. you what i cannot do and and i tried it a couple times coca-cola really what? no it's kryptonite for me I can't. So I can't, I can't even ask I about those commercials. Say, in the, I can't in the say night. any. I can't <laughs> sing a note. I can't sing. Ah, really? It just goes. Ah. No soda. Nothing. So, no soda. Just Coca Cola. Did they know that at the time I, you guys did those commercials? You know, I I was doing this gig outside and it was hot, and you know somebody was drinking Coca Cola and I just needed something to drink and I grabbed some. Oh no, man! It was done. There was no singing whatsoever, <laughs> not that night. And so it happened again. And I just thought, okay, well, is that, you know, what the heck? Same thing happened. Couldn't sing a word. 
Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Well, since we're here already, I'm I'm, I'm to skip to to reasons. Do you regret that the live version of Reasons mm-hmm. is our standard oh for what God. we expect you to do to the day you die? <laughs> <laughs> like if you don't do those exact the you and Andrew together, everything right? <laughs> like, oh is there a goodness. night where you don't reach that, and it's like the audience is kind of side eyeing you, like? <laughs> Before he answers, can I tell you when I I was probably like maybe twelve or thirteen when I first heard that, 
and I could hit those notes then. And then when my voice cracked, I was so upset. <laughs> I could not. It was like it was that song and Prince on the most beautiful girl in the world when he hits that high note yeah, at the yeah. end. Yeah. I used to be able to hit both of those notes. Not no more. Oh, I was man. so upset. So Damn. upset. So upset. So you set such a high goal for yourself that you now gonna have to live up to. Uh, you know, you know what people come to hear. So, you know, I always do that. Even if I'm just going to go off and then ad lib and do some other stuff. Okay. I'll do that. All right. All right. Got a dumb question. Somebody told me to ask you this. What? <clears throat> and I'm going to ask the room, what are the reasons? <laughs> now, you know, you know <laughs> interestingly <laughs> enough, that song, let's let's talk about that song yeah. just a yeah. little bit. Because yeah. you, know you know the lifestyle of, you know, the, the road dogs and all that kind of stuff. Me and Maurice are having a conversation about, you know, infidelity and stuff. And so, you know... Um, well, I'm gonna go all the way back just a little bit. We go into the to we we land. I, I think it was in Philly. Yay! And um, <laughs> and there's this there's this really really fine female. Okay, that 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 is like everybody's looking at when we go, come off the plane. Now at that time we would take a whole floor in in a hotel and stuff and have security and all that kind of stuff. So we go to the and we would just. You know, like if you wanted to, to see somebody, you would just give our road manager an eye. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you know. I know. No, <laughs> so, I don't. I don't know. I do not know. Yeah. So, Billy, I do not know. I get to the hotel. I get to the hotel. I love you, baby. The ladies at the hotel. <laughs> all right. And, you know, the next day, you know, she, she makes this phone call and she's talking to her guy. You know, just like, yeah, mm -hmm. just like, like ain't nothing since another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so me and Maurice are having this conversation. So I felt like <laughs> all deflated, all def deflated and stuff. I was like, oh. So I was talking to Maurice. So we had this conversation. So we, so that's how we started to write reasons. Okay. Now writing that song, and then Charles Stepney came in with the music and stuff. People say that they use that song for their wedding. Yes. <laughs> Wait, time right, out. Right, yeah. Yeah. You're saying you wrote that song without a melody verse? No, no. We that's that you was just a concept. The words together. No, we we'd already had we had the music. We had the music. Okay. Um. So you just how do you and Maurice collaborate? So do you talk it, it about logical different. situations? It, and, it was it, you know different all the time. You know it was different all the time. You know whatever resonated with you. At that time, but that's how reason was, you know, was 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 crafted. Okay. Um, but basically, you know, the song says that you know your reasons were a lie. Reasons had no pride. You know, love was left aside, and and all this stuff. And people said, I I used that song reasons for my wedding. I said, Oh my goodness, that's not what it's about. <laughs> I had, did I hear a rumor once that someone offered you guys to come perform the song at a wedding, and one of you had to reveal like. It's a song about unfair. Like, why would we? Was well, there... you know what we do. We do some, some very expensive corporate dates. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know. And if someone says to to, to do reasons, I will decline. I, I, if I it's just, specifically for like a love, yeah. Thing if, or... if it's for a wedding, right? If it, you know, if it's if it's your wedding night, and you know, we're doing the music after it, and I won't do. I probably I won't do after the love is gone either. 
<laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, oh yeah, that's it. Oh, no. It's come on. Let's talk about it. This is your wedding night. This is your wedding night. Your wedding night and... You know, like this is your big Easy party. Lover. Oh no! You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna sing all that. Yeah. Wait, why is it that all of our quote our songs, our side chick, all, yeah, our yeah. sweet thing? I just someone just hit me as we lay, that, oh, saving yeah. all my love saving for you. All my love yeah. for you. Oh, right. I did not know yeah, that was about all of them. Yeah, they in the side piece. Him. Oh, she say it in there. Sure. Oh, she sure well, does. <laughs> but. Uh, What's the well? You got your family. Oh, though, God. <laughs> and they need you too. <laughs> She's cruddy. She knows. You know what it is? Do black people listen to lyrics? No. No. <laughs> we, no. I think we translate them differently in our head. Like we listen because we sing along, but then somewhere in the translation, it's it just the turns, feeling. Yeah. It's the feeling. It's the feeling. Right. Yeah. Maxwell said had that same thing with Pretty Wings, where people were saying they wanted him to like do that at his wedding, and so many people come and saying, "Oh, that's our wedding song." And he was just like, yo, this is a song about a breakup. But Wait, it is? Yeah, Pretty yeah, Wings is totally about a breakup. See, I thought... Give you your Pretty Wings so you can fly away. You about yeah. to get the fuck up out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you put Pretty what? in something and fuck it up. You're like, oh, Pretty, pretty Wings. Yeah, it's, it's slow. Yeah, Pretty Wings is a breakup song. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I play that all the time. But we go by what we party. feel. Like, it's, it's the feeling. And he was just yeah. like, listen, if that's what it means to that person... You know, it's pretty arrogant of you to say, "Oh, that's not what it." But if that's how they feel about it, then I wouldn't. Let them, I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it because I wouldn't want to jinx your. I wouldn't want to jinx your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I never thought of it. I just want to say we still don't know the reasons, but this is a great conversation. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm sitting here reading the lyrics, like I don't know the reasons that we fear that even then. Yeah, I was going to say most <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire slow songs really don't deal with. Like, besides, romantic. be ever wonderful, be ever wonderful man. I'm thinking like all the even like. I would consider devotion a slow song, even though it has nothing to do with a romantic relationship. But it's yeah. not really a slow song. Devotion's not really slow. That's I don't consider it's it not a, a ballad. It's like a well, it's mid tempo. Yeah, it's mid. Yeah, it's it's not quite a ballad. The, the album version of devotion I consider a slow song. Okay. Whereas I'm thinking live. I'll DJ okay. the live part like gotcha. as a jam. But yeah, yeah. That's so weird. Um, okay, so can you? How were you officially? Uh, well, wait. What, what were your impressions of Earth, Wind, and Fire when you were handed that record? I was blown away. First of all, because we didn't didn't have any pictures of them, so I I couldn't conceive of them being uh, an African American group. Wow. What? Yeah, because I had never heard anything like that ever before. And this is the first. This is the Warner Brothers. This stuff. is the Warner Brothers stuff. Right. And uh, you know, like I'm glad. I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine what they look like because I I'd never been introduced to Afrocentric, you know, music yeah. and all that kind <laughs> right. of stuff. And and um you know So Earth Wind it Fire was, did inspire him. It was no, they, very much so. Very much so. And I mean and it was esoteric and you know, I was like, Whoa, what is this? And then there was a merge of all of of, of the different genres in the music. And I'm like, what's these guys look like? You know, and then uh, Perry brought them to Denver on a promotional tour. Right. And that's when uh, Verdine came down to the club, saw me and and Carl play and stuff. And we actually opened the show for them in the, on their promotional tour. And I met Maurice on the elevator. Okay. 
Yeah, he had coconut oil on. <laughs> That's the first. <laughs> I never knew. I never heard. I never smelled no oils, and I'm, I just right. I smell coconuts. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And he had a cowboy hat on. Yeah. you know, and wow. some bell no, <laughs> You know. Wow, so y'all first tour, or whenever you went on your first tour, must have been pretty mind-blowing to see how uh, the rest of, like, America, mind, black mind America. Mind-blowing. Wait, okay. before it, see, the thing is that if you're not involved with Warner Era, Earth, Wind & Fire, who was, like, on Moment of Truth, I swore that was you singing. No, no, that, that, that was that was uh, uh, the first group. All the first group was around Maurice's age. Maurice was 10, 10 years older than, than us. So come a, a Columbia time, he totally got the rid whole of- band. The whole band. It was only him. They 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 left, and it was only him and Verdine. Wow. And and so in that time period, they had met me through D- the Denver experience, and uh, I was out in Los Angeles. I was a, uh, a musical director of percussions for a band called the Stovall Sisters, which was oh, a gospel yes to the rock. Oh, yes, Lord. Yeah, right, that's right. my record. Love that song. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I remember that. So I would play <laughs> and rehearse the band and stuff. So they knew I could sing and stuff. Right. Um, they broke up, and I was going to send, you know, my wife at the time, Janet, and, and my first son, Sir, back to Denver. He had just been born. And Maurice and Verdine came over and said, do you want to be in the band? And I said, on one condition. They said, what? I, I said, I want to be in the best band in the whole world. Wow. <laughs> and they a, looked at each other, and they said, you're in. That's a mighty demand. That's, then, we, then we ate oatmeal for the next Six <laughs> months. <laughs> and, and every time we thought we was going on the road, we'd get ready to get, we'd get in the car and be on the way, and some, somebody would call. And they'd go, yeah, where's, where's counsel? I was going, God damn. So I was thinking, I was, I, was, I was debating on if I should go to, you know, to some training school or whatever. And the guy I was living with said, look, either you're going to, you know, do that, or you're gonna do this. If you're gonna do this, go back in there and you know practice your music and stuff. But that happened. That was our, our testing grounds. And then you know, once we got on the road, we got out here and we got to Philly. Mm-hmm. And then is that the infamous booing night? Yep. The staring. We got out. to Philly. Got right, to Philly. Can you explain the story? We got to Philly. We got to uptown mm-hmm. and all the doo wop groups and stuff. We had on you know. We had on uh, tights and all that kind of stuff. Right. Different, all. <laughs> and so, and we had that kalimba, and and Ronnie Law's playing the soprano saxophone. They ain't never wow. seen none of that. And so we got on the stage, and they're going, "Woo, y'all stink!" You know, they throw, you know, throwing little stuff up there. And stuff. Maurice told us all to sit down on the ground in the lotus position. So we all y'all were doing yoga back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, in Philly. Uh uh-uh, uh, that ain't the town. uptown. So we just sat. <laughs> oh. He said, "And just be still." And so, just and just stare at him. Oh. So we so we did we in Philly after uptown sitting in the lotus position, with you know with, <laughs> with tights on, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, and staring at the audience as they curse at us, and they kept on and they kept on and kept on. And then they calmed down a little bit, and Maurice started playing that kalimba. He, How started, long they, did y'all stare at them? Man, we at least ten minutes. They, they, <laughs> just, then, then he started playing the kalimba, and Ronnie Laurel started improvising over that kalimba. Larry Dunn went to that keyboard, started playing them chords, and we went into a rhythm. When we got finished with that show, 
It was nothing like it gives me chills to this day. Really? We were so it was like Philly, love, earth, wind and fire. They was the, it was the first that was and we got it was so monumental that when we got done, we went back to the hotel where he said we're going to have a meeting, you know, and we all got together and he and we all recognized that something special had happened that night. You know, we all recognize it and just, we just had to affirm it. You know, he said, they're going to either, either love you or hate you, but it, it can't be in the middle. Wow. Side note, I am trying to buy the Uptown. The Uptown. Yeah. Really? Been yeah. I've been, you know, um, that's that's one of my, my life goals with Sir uh, Live Nation. Shout out to Sean G. Oh, before they get it. Don't partner. Just take it all. Oh, Sean G is my nation. <laughs> I like, know. That's not act like, Sean G is the man. <laughs> he is. I know, but. Uh, <laughs> He's the man. The company is another thing. No, it's still there. You no, know Sean G still, control, control on the rock. It's still, <laughs> it's still, it's still there. It's still a shell. And, you know, it's, it's been, the Uptown's been closed since uh, 89, I think. Oh, yeah. Like 30 years now. Wow. Um, that's a full. I was just thinking that was a full circle moment. I remember Fourth of July. What was that? Ten years ago, when Earth, Wind, and Fire came to Philly, and you guys did the curation for the uh, mm-hmm. Welcome America thing. I forgot. Yeah, yep. and it was just like a full circle moment of seeing them after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, with with the the first record. First of all, can you please tell us about Charles Stephanie? Mm. And we had, emotions. we had the emotions on the show like a while back, and they were kind of telling. Really? Yeah, yeah. We, we had them in L.A., but. The, the, the closest thing, thing I could say about Charles is Quincy Jones, you know, that type of person. Mm-hmm. But he was also, like, just a such a humble. He was a, he was a orchestrator, mm-hmm. an arranger, a vibist. Pianist, uh, and you know, a songwriter, and and a, a lover of his family, mm-hmm. you know, and a teacher, and a very very humble, understated person, and uh, all he did was just make music, and and all those sounds and stuff before everything got multi-timbreled and stuff. He 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 would record note for note, then you know do the octaves, mm-hmm. cha- change them, harmonize them. So all that harmony stuff that that, that was on sense before you know they we got they got um, multi timbre. I was going to say yeah, you had to play one note at a yep. time. <clears throat> I I I have uh, one of my life goals was try to uh, find the all about love stems to see how he crafted. The, the interlude that comes at the end. Oh, right, right. That's eventually celebrate. Can you speak on that for a second? How the the ending of... Right, so basically... That's just played backwards. Right, I realize right. that now, because on, on the master reel, when I heard it, I was like, oh, this right. is celebrate. And then I realized that, okay, you guys must have just played it back. But it still sounds the same, like... Mm-hmm. Back and forth. Um, okay, so initially, 
he was demoing what would have been Celebrate, which is on the uh, the Gratitude album. Can you describe what the what's the, the the jamming process, or how does a seed of a song or an idea form into? Like, do you guys take rough ideas to Charles and then he'll stretch it out? Because I've heard, I mean, in the reissues of a lot of these albums, you'll hear super rough demos of of Shining Star and and various Earth, Wind, and Fire songs when they're just, like, jamming ideas. Right. Well, like on that song, uh, Charles had really, uh, if I remember right, th- there was a lot of that song that, that was already there. <laughs> Um, before me and Marie started writing lyrics and stuff, mm-hmm. and it everything that that he would bring, Maurice and Charles had, they they worked really really well together, and uh, Al McKay was the key was a lock. Really? Yeah, it's just like Al could take a complicated whatever complicated musical, you know, piece mm-hmm. or p- passage. And make a groove, really, whatever, whatever. Because that's a lot of music going on right there, you know, all those changes and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But you, you can. So you feel that Al McKay as a guitar player was the he was he somewhat was, the epicenter, or you know, he was the lock. He was he was the lock because he he played with you know Watts Hundred Third Street, uh-huh. and, and and he was an R and B. King, mm-hmm. he just out didn't want it to be complicated. You know, he he was about the funk, <laughs> and so whatever idea that Maurice would have filters through him, filtered through him, and he would lock it up with with uh, with uh, Verdine and and the drummer. You know, if Maurice wasn't playing, because if Maurice was playing, it was a lot simple simpler because Maurice pocket had a pocket. You know, so but, in the studio, Maurice would play drums most of the time. Or? Yeah, Maurice is playing on that. Okay, wow. Yeah, he played on most of the stuff until until Freddie, until um, well, Ralph was initial in the last days in time. Was Ralph uh, drumming on that album? Then Freddie came along for well, no, Maurice on the on the records. Okay, it was Maurice. Okay, until Freddie came. Um, Ralph did play on um, on that's the way of the world. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was the relationship with Clive Davis like? Um, just very supportive, and and unlike his experience with uh, under like unlike a lot of the experiences that I've heard with other artists, Sly. he he never. <laughs> <laughs> we we didn't have those it issues. It was basically Earth Wind Fire and Sly. We, so we didn't have those <laughs> issues. But, I don't think you're talking about blood, sweat, and tears. Right. So. He didn't. <laughs> oh, wow. He didn't. Spinning he didn't wheel. get into the the artistic thing. He didn't get into the art. But you guys were the blueprint of, of art. Right. <laughs> That's he, the thing. He like, didn't get into to you know like he likes this song and getting this da 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 da. He was just you know Maurice was giving him the record when he got finished. But how? Okay. But the thing is, is that. The legacy of Clive Davis is okay. Quote the greatest ears in music, or whatever his his mantra is. Like I have the best ears in music. You guys though were so artsy, like literally reintroducing or establishing Afrocentric 
Afro jazz, but filled, but still with a pop sense. Like you guys were so pop, but so black. Had the money ass hooks, cause yeah. Them so, <laughs> like, at, at what you know would like the whole idea of like don't bore us, get to the course, and all that stuff. Like, who is the disciplinarian that knew? Oh, Reese. Okay, we're going all over the place. Maurice, really? Uh, yeah, he he had total uh, autonomy. He just, you know, he because he his background too was he he worked at Chess Records in the in the in the advertisement uh, commercial department, and so like they would have contests with all the different writers, and um, uh, Charles Stepney was the arranger, and he named Maurice Rooney tunes. That's how we, you know, that's what we all call Maurice Rooney, because Maurice had this sense of getting getting a hook. Mm-hmm. So he was the hook man, definitely, and he, he also believed that the hooks shouldn't just be in the choruses, but they should be in the music itself, you know, and in the grooves and all that kind of stuff. So, all right, y'all, you know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So how did you guys avoid... Not that I thought that there was cliche one on one in soul music in the early seventies, like you're on my mind all the time. Can't <laughs> right. stop thinking it's about you. Right. Like just the typical rhyme scheme that is in every I mean Motown basically wrote the book on that, but how like you guys are talking about mysticism and spirituality and and things that aren't necessarily, you know, day to day conversation. Yeah. 
What were you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like how would you is it books that you guys would read and then Maurice like, was reading a lot of stuff. He he was reading a lot of stuff and because um he had traveled with Ramsey Lewis um and they had traveled to to, to the Orient and different things like that. You know, and he was reading he changed his whole his whole lifestyle, diet, and all the guys. Because I went to I went to Ramsey's house and saw a picture of Reese where he was thirty pounds, thirty five pounds b- bigger, and stuff, and looked you know looked a lot older. And I go, Reese, this you, you know? Really? He said, Yeah, that's when I used to drink. <laughs> you know? Oh wow! Okay. You know, but when since when some from the time that I knew Maurice, he never he didn't drink and stuff or or smoke or anything like that. And so, you know, it, it, you know that that kind of discipline was it hard doing that in the seventies? Like now, food is more like science has made food very easy to, you know, for a con not a connoisseur, a carnivore like me to follow it is way easier now in today's society. But you know, back then, a diet soda might taste like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but you know how how hard was it to really maintain that discipline didn't he want the whole entire band to also follow the diet and well no that's not true um he wasn't he wasn't like controlling like that you know like you know he's like what's good for for him you know it was just more of example kind of situation you know you 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 try different things or you watch somebody doing something you see how it's working for them or whatever and you know if it's cool you know, you might try it. I mean, even today, like if I go to Alabama, like I doubt. <laughs> I mean, only recently, like the whole foods, no sweet yeah. grain. It's so. How does one survive a healthy, no, just nuanced make, lifestyle in you know areas? Just making choices, you know, just just making choices. He and he wasn't, you know, at certain points we d- he did have, you know, uh, different people cooking for him or whatever. Okay. But that's the answer. <laughs> I feel you. I'm more. I'm more. I'm confused at how you guys were a drug. It sounds like you were a drug free free band in the seventies. Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Oh. Okay. Because you said he wasn't that much of a disciplinarian. No, he wasn't. No. Okay. He, he, he wasn't. He Maurice wasn't. wasn't. Right. Okay. I'm speaking just about him. All right. <laughs> okay. So, open our eyes, man. Mm. Now here's the thing. Open our eyes. I believe was written by Funka. Uh, yeah, because Eddie sings. It. You mean that song? Yes. It's a. It's a. No. Go ahead. Go. go. You go. No. No. Go ahead. No. I don't want to mess it up. No. Open our eyes was a song that Maurice, uh, this this uh, guy used to play in Chicago on his uh, going off. He used it, you know, all the time, and the, and I want to. I I forget the actual artist who actually had it first. You might can I look that up. Huh. No, you you mean father? Oh, but yeah. that not the funk. No, was no that wasn't them. That was I forget the guy's name, but you could probably look it up. Father, father, open our eyes. And so Maurice decided, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that song because it was just in his head because he heard it all the time. See, I thought that Funkadelic also covered that song on. I was basically trying to lead into the fact that. They do. They do? Yeah. Okay, so, okay, I knew I, yeah, Funkadelic also covered it. I thought they wrote it. 
but most 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 soul historians have made much on the fact that you know Earth Wind and Fire versus P Funk is sort of Beatles versus Rolling Stones. Mm. Um, well, I mean, you you Who guys are the Beatles in that. Yeah, I was thinking the same like, thing. Yeah. Well, Earth Wind and Fire is clearly the Beatles. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like right. you guys were never seen as the bad boys of soul music. Right. Oh, you whereas, mean in that way. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I was thinking music. Funkadelic is sort of, but the thing is, is that both of them have the same ideology. Like you guys have your version of spiritualism and Afrofuturism. As far as the, the concepts that, that you'll later explore, at least with that, you know, with with pyramid technology and future technology, were you guys aware of each other's existence in the early period before you guys became superpowers? Were you guys even aware of what was happening in in Detroit in seventy two to seventy four? I, I would assume that seventy four is kind of the year where both acts finally got their engines roaring but like in the buzz years 72 mm-hmm. 73 were you guys even aware of each other at all yeah we were we were aware of each other and, and you know both bands were so busy trying to really carve out their own uh, destinies and, and be um true to their identity mm-hmm. you know that we didn't take a lot of time but i know um the one experience that we always talk about to this day is we played with uh the funkadelics at the armory and uh is that new york or no no dc in dc at the armory and um oh god we that was before we 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 hadn't found no funk yet and so we went on there talking about you know i think about loving you right <laughs> and so we did we had our little they we had our little polite applause and then the funkadelics first you saw the smoke come out of the room <laughs> <laughs> they opened the door and you saw a puff of smoke cuz they were smoking right right and then you hear that right right man they funked us out of there so bad <laughs> until Maurice said, "We going back to L.A. We going to rehearse," you know. Really? So, yeah. So we went. We we went from there. Wherever we were on the road, we checked into wherever we were, and and we had a rehearsal. He said, "We got to find the one," you know. Really? <laughs> <Find> the one. <laughs> really? Wow. Oh yeah. And then we went back to Los Angeles and we rehearsed and stuff. And that's when Reese changed and went and got Al McKay. Okay, okay. He said, you know, because Johnny was just there. Johnny Graham. Yep. Cousin of uh, Larry Graham. I didn't know if he was cousin. Yeah. I didn't know Wait, that. how do you not know that? I know that Johnny Graham <laughs> is Larry Graham's cousin. I never knew that. Really? Never. Johnny look never that up, double check that. Man. I've, <laughs> I've read many a... Uh, Johnny no, never uh, talked. It's in Maurice's book. He never talked to, to very much to anybody. Okay, so it is a lot of you, and I know to make it to make life work, you kind of have to be friends. Or who who were the cliques in the group? Like who did you? Who's your running buddy? Versus you know, did the horns just hang with each other? Did Maurice and Verdine just hang? Like who? Well, you know, like if you say, and I'm talking classic lineup. 
Okay, clicks. You would say the 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 Phoenix horns. You definitely they hung together, right? Because they were crazy. Okay. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> boy, oh boy. Okay, <laughs> they were nuts. Okay, okay. And who were, who were those guys? Who were the the Phoenix um, horns? Michael Harris, Don Don Myrick, and Lou Satterfield. And okay. Steve is waking up because, of course, Phoenix Horns. Phoenix Horns are <laughs> also Phil Collins. Yes. yes we'll get to so that. <laughs> Reese was a loner. Mm-hmm. Unless he was, he'd hang with me. He'd hang with, with Verdine. Um, I think my, my, my hanging buddies were probably uh, Ralph and Larry, and Larry Dunn, because I grew up with him, and, and Andrew. Okay, you know, and then me and Ralph had to room, we room together too, you know, back back in the day when you had to back in the day two in the two, two in the motel two in the room, right? Okay, wow. How? Also, this is what I really want to know. What is standard for survival when you're in such a large scale group? The reason why so many acts go solo, of course, is to get the biggest piece of the pie, mm-hmm. their own pie, but. When you are one ninth of of a superpower, and you're not touring twenty four seven, or making your own direct money, like when touring stops, then it's like ah, I gotta go home and pay these bills, and you still got responsibilities, right? So, if I'm, I know what it takes to survive like that in two thousand nineteen because. Mm-hmm. I'm it. Oh shit! I'm in my own Earth, Wind, and Fire with eleven bands. <laughs> <Yeah>. Eleven. <laughs> you remember when the Roots just had like, like four, four members? Yeah. yeah. Why? How do we get to eleven? So I know what it takes for, you know, eleven people mm-hmm. to make a good living out of this. But if it's 1973, 74, 75, what is good living? What is what is a good living weekly pay? Is it making six hundred dollars a week, or well? And you guys didn't have baller mentality, so it wasn't like you had rap videos to look at to be like, <laughs> "I need yeah, that, right. I need that." So. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you figured that was a different time, different. You know, we weren't, we weren't balling, we weren't trying to buy, you know, thousand dollar pairs of shoes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you, you figure that everybody that was there at that time except for maybe al mckay were coming straight from their collective environments me from denver johnny graham from kentucky ralph from los angeles you know so what impressed us then didn't take a whole lot (laughs) you know (laughs) it didn't take a whole lot and so it you know it, it it was years you know, before, you know, we really had a any kind of understanding of really how much money was being made. What was, okay, but what was the dream? I'll say, like, in 94, my version of the dream was, you know, if I could do this for a living, have all my bills paid, mm-hmm. um, move out my parents' crib, mm-hmm. <laughs> and move in a nicer, you know, I was doing that nice, humble thing, mm-hmm. and that that lasted me good until, all right, I started making real money, like, maybe, like, 2010, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be corrupt like the rest of <laughs> rich, rich, rich America, because now I, 
you know, I never thought I'd get to this level of, oh, well, let me burn this $100 bill with a cigar. Like, that sort of thing. You did what? No, I'm just, <laughs> I, always had, I always imagine a fat cat lighting up a cigar with a $100 bill. But I'm just saying that in the, in the 70s, what was just the, the, the dream? And was it easy to, to make, make a weekly living as a full-time singer? Because we we know based on some of these like unsung episodes, and from what I heard, pimping was actually the DJ gig of the seventies. Really, Harold <laughs> Melvin. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. James Brown. Yeah. Like I could name at least ten to. I'm sorry. Did you say pimping? Yeah. Just yeah, like pimping. just like with rappers, um, taking your money and investing oh, it in the coke game. To, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, my version of that is the DJ gig. For the longest, the roots was like my my no money, like whatever, like that's the prestige thing, and that's that's just a legacy. But you know, I make a real living off of DJ gigs because one, I don't have to share it with eleven people. Right. So that's true. So I'm just asking, what was just the life goals of like I'm satisfied and well, yeah. You have to remember that we were just coming out the peace and love era, right. and we were very idealistic. So, for us, we 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 believed the whole spill. <laughs> we we really believed that we were family. Okay, you know, and we really believed that you know. Where everything that Maurice was doing was taking care of all of us, right. and we really did believe that we were, you know, that oh, it's just going because we, you know, we were living our dream. I see what you're saying. We're living our dream, so it's like you know, if if anybody did raise up to say well, what, what you know, everybody would have to remind them of how, how blessed we really were, you know, right. to be, you know, doing what we were doing. So I, I guess it's it's, mon- it's financially impossible to have a unit that size and not come out the gate making millions. Because even for us, we for did that. Whole, we did we did we did community thing. Mm-hmm. Like for the least the first fifteen years of the roots, like me and Tariq didn't start taking salaries until super late, like two thousand eight. But see, there was a point when everything changed. That's why I'm wondering how that worked. Well, we started making more money. But I'm just saying that in the beginning, when we get a check, it goes to everyone's rent, everyone's gas, everyone's that sort of thing. So... Well, that wasn't what was happening, though. I, I don't. I don't want. I, I, <laughs> oh, so, so I you're saying that you to, during the all-in-all all period? No, like, I don't want you to think that because that's not true. Okay. See what? See the first group left because. They knew that they would never be an equal part or take an equal share in the band okay. Earth, Wind, and Fire. They, they left. They, they didn't get. They, fu- they left. Okay. Okay. They knew because they had, you know, they were older. They had more experience. They knew. Okay, we came in. We ain't know nothing. Okay, so we were. It was years before we knew that basically we were just employees. Okay. You know, and the lion's share of everything was Maurice's. Maurice White. Okay. So you guys didn't notice you know, as you were going to his house to visit and things of that nature? <laughs> like, they're like, no. this was huge. And I'm, we, 
No, we didn't. We we didn't know that. But I have to say though, we all had houses. We you know right. we weren't like I wasn't trying to come from the angle of no it wasn't who took like, the money but I just wanted to know yeah it wasn't like it wasn't like we you know we were in an apartments and he was you know <laughs> in, in you know his 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 mansions were bigger than our houses but you know yeah we all had houses and that was something that we never thought that we would have but growing up I would I would think growing up like all right let's take a group like Mandrill. Even though I know there's blue collar musicians and people that work for a living, but in my five year old head, I'm looking at Mandrill and I'm like, "Yeah, they're on Soul Train. Yeah, those guys are millionaires." And that, yeah, and that's the, and that's the impression that everyone has about whoever they see on TV or hear on the radio. So, what I'm just saying is, like in 1975, could a a a, a, a trombone player just make? Fifty to seventy-five thousand a year, and be cool for that period. Back in those days, a, a trombone player, if he made fifteen thousand dollars a year, fifteen thousand, right, a year. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Back then, if he made fifteen thousand dollars a year, he he could be cool. You gotta gotta look it up. So that's a hand-to-mouth thing. Like still, even with all in all and. Stuff on the radio, like it was still like you guys were blue collar musicians having to go to work every day, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that that musicians made the kind of money that they made until I was talking to the mouse one time. To the who? Filling games. <laughs> Filling games. Oh, the mouse. Oh, oh, oh. oh, that's not a physical thing, is it? No, no, that's okay. that's 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 um, his nickname. That's his nickname. Okay, no, you know, Quincy called everybody called him Mouse. Um, he put you on the game. Wow! Look, we I I was at at um at a and M, and he was at A and M, and we were talking. See, we used to go to the same church and stuff together, me and Mouse. Okay. And so, like, Mouse told me that he was making ten thousand dollars a week with Michael mm-hmm. back then. Way back then, way back then. Whoa! And I said, "That's good." <laughs> what? Whoa! Ten thousand dollars a week. He said, "Yeah." What? What you make? Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord, hang on. <laughs> Before you answer this question, I thought it was gonna be a sound effect fee uh, <laughs> show. All right, said, hit me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what? I said, what? I had no idea that because look, man, we're playing five night sellouts at the forum by ourselves. Right. We playing, you know, Wimley five nights, you know, by oh. ourselves. Come on, come on, do the math. I am. You know, it's like we, we got we got plaques for for the um for the Madison Square Garden, you know. Yeah. It, now, 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 my eyes are by open. Our, you know, by ourselves, we got three, four, double, double, triple, platinum albums. You know, I'm like, what? So, how do you have that conversation with the man who's kind of like your brother now? How do you? How do you? Yeah, how do you and Maurice talk about that? Or do you do talk you about, talk that? about yeah. that? Uh, you you don't. Okay, you I, know, I understand the. Well, how do you rectify? 
sometimes sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Kind of just in it, you know. Hopefully, now is the, you know, the glory period or whatever. Like it was one of those kinds of situations where, you know, like because like well, if you read the book, it was one of those kind of situations where you know, like oh, and you were gonna ask me why I didn't like um, raise raise. Okay. Okay, because it was no, because it was <laughs> in, it was all, it was in that period where you know everybody was coming of age, and their eyes were being open, and their eyes were being open, and you know the the chemistry was terrible, and he was using other musicians to do the to pretty much do the record, you know, except for. You know, me and him, we were doing, and we we were like session musicians to come in and do it. So it's like power light and all that. Oh my god, what? that was like I could not, I could not listen to that record. I remember the first I time, time say, I wow. met you. I remember the first time I met you, and that's the first record you said you like. And I looked at you, and you said, "You mean you don't like that record?" <laughs> Dude, side I, by side, side by side. I was about to say, that's the damn one. Oh, that record. I mean, I could probably could, li- you know, I could listen to it now, you know. But I think it was just a matter of, you know, you can't listen to it without, you know, Reliving taking it. you yeah. back yeah. into, you know, all the craziness that was going on. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, before I get deep in a financial hole, I, I, there's still more I got to ask. Can you talk about Caribou Ranch? 
And oh, why man. you guys yeah. chose Caribou Ranch to record your records? Because there were ghosts in the in the in the in the place, for reals. I saw really, I, man. And I, I'm no no joke. There were ghosts, and they told us there were ghosts there. And you know, I I didn't believe it until I saw one. Did you bring it up because it was in Colorado? Like, how did you guys yeah, hear it? Yeah, you know, the Colorado has a great connection, but um, it was a place where. There were like about five or six different cabins. All the cabins had, you know, th- three bedrooms in them with mm-hmm. kitchens. And all. it was really a fabulous place. Horses, everything, you know. Um, it was like a, you know, it was large enough for it to be a little city, you know. Um, and the groups would go up there, and we were the only, you know, African American band that, you know, ever worked up there. Right. You know, we did two records up there. Uh, open our eyes and that's the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, could you talk about the movie? Uh, that's the way of the world with the Harvey Cartel. Oh yeah, wasn't that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> that I thought fun. it was enjoyable. Man, it was. You guys had dissed it so much, really, that <laughs> when I finally got the DVD and watched it, yeah. I was it like, actually well, wasn't that bad. It wasn't that, that bad. bad, man. We went. We went to the opening. We was all. You guys excited. have high standards. We was all. We was all excited. We went to the opening and stuff because we thought, oh man, we're on the move. We're going to the opening. We got there, man. <laughs> Nobody was there first of all, and then we saw it and we was like, oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> so how how did you guys manage to? But it was the catalyst for some great writing. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, mm-hmm. but the thing was is that because the fonts, the the print was so small on the that, back right, of the album. Right. That was Reese. That was Maurice. <laughs> he <laughs> said, he, he said, look, this is what we're going to do. He called Bob and Joe, and he said, I want that like writing on there to be so little. <laughs> really? <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> from the movie. That's <laughs> the way of the world. I want them to have to look for it to see that. <laughs> I thought you guys were just being clever. Like, you made up a no, fictional. No, he, he, like, he, he did that once we saw it. Because he's like, man, that, 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 that's, what, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so the album was released way in advance before the movie came out? I'm not. I don't. Yeah, I think it was released before. Okay. So it was already a hit. Yeah. So what was the what was the feeling of finally? I mean, being as though that was the breakthrough album, what was the feeling? Um, well, I mean, you slowly heard evil and and mighty mighty and all that stuff on the radio or whatnot. But was it was it what was the main difference between shining star success as opposed to hearing mighty mighty and and well, by the time we got the shining star, because we had like about five number one records on that record but we we were we were then we were we were doing you know big gigs okay you know we were doing we we're doing big gigs and we had started to add you know the production and all that kind of stuff to to our our presentation and stuff okay the the inner sleeve of gratitude where it's this bird's eye view it's a bird's eye view shot of you can see the 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 band on stage, but it looks like you're performing for at least one hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. Was that a music festival or was that a typical Earth, Wind, and Fire show? I, I'm assuming there's a lot of white faces there. Like how I was thinking that I was I, I could be wrong. But I was thinking that was Oakland. Okay, but uh, I could be wrong. 
Yeah, it was, it was just that was a very unfair. I know we did several. <laughs> we did we we recorded Oakland. We recorded um, Atlanta, and I think we might have recorded Los Angeles. So, you guys went from relative underground favorite to near like it looked like a a festival like it was outdoors it had to have been somewhere between 75 to 100,000 people all packed in this photo right what happened like is is that the magic of Clive Davis and man we, the radio you know, system or? we're doing you know it was a different time different day when everything everything collides together you know everything the 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 record company was probably you know at their at the top of their game advertisement and publishing radio Every, when everything goes right when everything the rec, the music the product and people were you know that's when music was val- very very valuable to people you know they didn't have all these other entertainment situations that vying for their attention and stuff so you know, a record came out, man, people were around the corner, around the block to get a, get your record when it came out. And David Foster was one of them out there. Right. Well, well I want to ask about Spirit yeah. Spirit versus Songs of the Key yeah. of Life battle. <laughs> well, I'm going to get to that. Uh, just, just one thing about gratitude. How, set my mind at ease, how much live, uh, how many, how much... How much background overdubbing was done on gratitude? Because I, I refuse to believe that you guys were that perfect in your harmony game <laughs> in concert without breaking the sweat. Like, <coughs> well, we didn't we we didn't mess with the with the leads. But me and Maurice, he had a you know clause on all of the stuff that we if we did something on television because we we did all the vocals on the on the, all the records. It was okay. just me and him, okay. so we just you know, molt and double you know all the harmonies, all the different and stuff. One question about your harmonies, man, or just your vocals? Would y'all sing them together at the same time? We would time? sing together. That's amazing. Yeah, we it's would hard sing, to sing. We would sing together. <laughs> no, it was it was very very easy. Really? You know we, wow. you know, and we would sing all the up stuff, all you know, all the vocals we would do. So like, it was hard for us to duplicate on the, on the road, um, so. If we did something, if we did a recording uh, of something, me and him would go and f- fix the backgrounds. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, we didn't mention Jessica Cleves. Oh, yeah. oh, man. Was she in the, how did she join the? She the, in the last days and times. Okay. Right. And right. then when did she leave her friends? I'd rather distinction? have you. No, Friends of Station was before. Yeah. Yeah, that was before. She was in Yeah, Friends she of was in Friends of Distinction. That's how we discovered her. I mean, we found her. Yeah, with Leonard Smith and yeah. So did she go to the Funkadelic Empire after? She went to Funkadelics like after, after after she left uh Earth Wind Fire. Ah, okay. Wow. Well, all right, speaking of which, it's one thing I forgot. Did you guys have any response to let's take it to the stage or you just took it as playful ribbing? You say what? Did you guys have any I, uh, any uh, response or, or feelings about the song Let's Take It to the Stage or did you consider that just playful ribbing of Fungadelic calling out all the soul bands of the I, 70s? I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar. 
That's crazy. What does he call them again? Earth, hot air, and no fire. Like, he, he, you know, slipping the family brick. Snoofus, tell me something good. He's basically saying, let's take it to the stage. Let's battle. Uh, And names, like, you know, six or seven acts. But, I mean, you know. When When was that? 76? 74. 74. 74. 74. 74. On the Let's Take It to the Stage album. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, it was, it was, never it was, too late for a battle, though. Yeah. It was, oh, <laughs> George is about to retire. Can so. you see? Yeah, it is. So hey. it's too late for yeah, that. It's too late. Just seen him the other day before. I'm kind of sorry. Yeah, but I, I always wanted to know if if uh, you guys like ever, you know, took serious offense to that or, you know, was it just, but you didn't know until <laughs> right now, this yeah, right, no right, one ever mentioned second. that to you. No, nope. wow, Mm-mm. Johnny Graham. Let's take it to the stage. It's, it's just weird that nobody's ever mentioned that because I remember the first time I heard "Let's take it to the stage." I was like, "Whoa!" He called him out. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "It was like what, the first disrespect." Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, "What? What did everybody think about this?" Well, uh, yeah, I always wanted to know if there were ba- well. Yeah. How did you guys feel about other bands in the day? Like, I was getting ready to say, could you name a band? Name a band that you felt some sort of way about, like. Man, we gotta bite, motherfucker. We gotta. Mm. Oh, forget you know, biting. We just didn't. That was. We just didn't beef like that back. You know, like, like nobody guys kept you guys on your toes. Yeah. Everybody, you know, everyone wanted to be original. You know, we were kind of bent out of shape when uh, Ohio players bit on on our music a lot. You know, really? Yeah. You know, like just like almost verbatim. You know, like, but but. Up that to that point, there were like very few bands that wanted to sound like the other band. You know, you we would do it ribbing each other, you know, or something. See, you know, I would say Barquets more than Earth they used and to Fire. Jack everybody, though. but you <laughs> literally yeah. every Barquets. But they admitted that they would buy the forty-five of whatever band it was, and then switch. Right, which is yeah. why Shine sounds like on your face or whatever. Um, so. The, the 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 battle of spirit versus songs in the key of life um of course uh i think one of the first event moments in black music i remember cuz I, I was 5 at the time um but a lot of my dad's bandmates were speaking of this of course uh both i think spirit and songs in the key of life were released within a week of each other um Right. Yeah. Right. Of of each other. Wow. And I think you guys came out the the day before. I'm I'm not certain, but were you were you at all? Did you have any investment whatsoever, like expectation investment to debut at number one? The end result, of course, the songs in the key of life debuted at number one. You guys debuted at number two, mm-hmm. but. I mean, was there a feeling of competition at the time? Like the the the, the most important artists in the history of black music is releasing their their definitive statement. No, you see, it was you just got, another day to you. you like gotta like, remember, you know, you got to remember that it's a different time. Okay, you know, a lot of a lot of the things that you're talking about right now have kind of been ingrained in culture as culture. It, has moved along, okay. you know. But for for us, 
I mean, Stevie has always been beloved, you know, as an artist. And I'm sure that he feels the exact same way about us, you know. And so, you know, we were inspired by one another, you know, because like when he said, when he heard um, Shine a Star, then he went home and wrote um, Sir Duke. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I wish this thing. Oh, I wish. I wish. Yeah, he went home and wrote, I wish. You know, but um, yeah, it was just one of those kind of situations where, you know, it was like we we had uh, admiration society. You know, we were happy for him, and I'm sure he was happy for us. Okay. Um, Is there a particular reason why, uh, and this is a nerd question, a serious nerd question. Uh, why you guys dropped the original intro off of Getaway? The the do you remember the fifteen second? No, there's uh, it's uh. When I heard that, I was like, "Yo!" Okay, we play that. We play that now. You still do it now? We do it now in our show. They took it off for radio. Wow! And I always wanted to know why you guys never kept that on the album. Um. I, I'll actually say that imagination. Listen, man, let me tell you something, man. What was you on that day? Because I feel like that, <laughs> look, even now, more than there's I, the Angels mix. It's like the mix. There's like an acapella mix of it that it was on the, the reissue. The reissue, yeah. Oh, my God. Man, y'all vocals. That's what I was asking. Like, what y'all, do you feel? Yeah, what do you feel your best performance is? I think that probably was one of my best, at, at, you know. Even more than I write a song for you? Probably. Just be in. I'm thinking about it, you know, like, cause you, you know how, you know, you're in studio all the time. And so you think you remember how you felt in different situations and stuff. And, uh, I remember, you know, I, re- I do remember the imagination vamp. How, how do you chart out your ad libs? Because they're so, <laughs> chart them out. They're, well, <laughs> no, I mean, they're just so nuanced and so, I mean, they're, 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 their own universe that even in listening to it, like I, I feel as though you really mastered. That's why I said skilled. You mastered the the perfect pacing of an ad lib because I mean people would think like, oh yeah, just do you know. And I I'm, I'm guilty of that a lot where I tell singers like, okay, just ad lib at the end and see what happens, and no magic ever happens. But yeah. you like you arc. know to raise it right. and then lower it, lays it lower it and go. How do you? Well, do you, you have take to the understand. Home? I'm, I'm a musician too, you know. So, and yeah, you know, loving the, the the musician part of you know musician part of me, you know, it's just like it's a solo, you know. So like when you're taking a solo, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, you know. So I'm, you know, I'm not thinking that way, but you know, just the the artistic arc is, you know, the the energy. I say, you know, is, you know, you ain't gonna start, you know, just nowhere to go. You know, with nowhere high. to go. You know, that's the thing. A lesser, a a lesser singer. Normally, like today, cats go zero to sixty instantly, giving themselves like no room to to build up to that point. And yet, 
you know, I mean, you're given 16 bars to figure out how to get a point A to, to, to Z and, and a very skillful, like, navigation. So how, how long does is the recording of, like, do you do your main vocals first so you don't lose your voice and then do you come back to do the ad-libs? Because that's some hard singing you're doing on Imagination. On some songs, we would, I would sing it and then go home and listen to it and know that, okay, I was going to have to, you know, do do the vamp. Mm-hmm. I remember, because um, doing, I mean, the vamps are, are the, the art is, there's an art of doing, doing the vamps. I remember, you know, some of the emotions, we have conversations they call, and I got to do my vamp tomorrow on this or that, you know, and we might, you know, tell me, you know, listen to it, you know, give them some pointers. Figure out where to go. You know. I'm sorry, Mr. Bailey, a vamp is. Oh, the vamp. The ad lib part. The ad lib part. Yeah, well, the I'm going to ride You now. know, like, because, you know. He's the king of ad libbing at the end of a song. No, I got the ad lib part. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is the king of ad libbing at the end of a song. I mean, you, you know, more the, than you. You know the rhythm. The the rhythm. I like to throw Felipe winning. You know, ring. yes, that, yes. The <laughs> rhythm, yeah. the rhythm, and how he builds. You know, th- those those songs. But the thing is Ooh. that Mike, Mike will tend to get locked into a thing. Like the end of things I do for you could also be the end of working day and night. Yeah. Like he has his default go to thing where people, and that's the thing. You don't have a default. That's why I'm saying skilled because you are one of the few ad-libbers that... Now, with Felipe Wynn, first, the only reason why I feel as though he's so masterful is because half the time, that's the only part of the song he's allowed to sing. (laughs) Because we... I'm just slowly discovering, especially now having all the Soul Train episodes, Mm -hmm. that Felipe ain't singing the the lyrics. They just like, all right, Felipe, go and clean up. (laughs) And, you know, if you're given, like, 30 seconds to sign, you're gonna... You're gonna go for it. Say any and everything. But... You never have a a route where it's like you repeat yourself or have a line. Actually, wait. Can you explain to me what is the genesis of the body Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for you to ask that. No, I'm not talking about Bayo, ba- ba- the song, because I right. also want to know how that song did not make it, and yet you guys found that little 30-second gem that, of course, now everyone's favorite interlude of all time but i'm just saying in general the earth wind and fire ad lib is always a body up bop 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 oh why because the, we why that specific me and maurice me and maurice love brazil 66 yeah oh we love we love we love some brazil 66 and we and we love brazilian music and we study we know we study that stuff you know a lot and you know it research like you know if if it's grooving you know he wouldn't wouldn't mess with it you know it and it sings you know it it you know it sings you know like you know like a phrase on a horn or whatever you okay. know wow so the actual song Bejo or how how do Bejo B E I J Bejo yeah, play, play it for the people yeah, yeah I, was, was, <laughs> I got to find it that was Milton Nascimento Ah, you know, because we were we were he actually played with us when we were in in Brazil. You know, we played the stadium, 
and stuff. We were big fans of his and stuff. But the song, and we did a, we did a that song. That song was with him? We did a song, but we didn't use the song. Yeah, why did that song not make it? It, it goes all over the place, so I could probably see why <laughs> it made the cutting room floor. But more importantly is, whose idea was it to find the right elements that led to the interlude of what we now know as the... Oh, Reese. Wow. Uh, Phil, how did y'all decide which songs would go to other artists and which would stay in the band? One song that didn't go to another to the artist who, who they had cut it for was, what was, they, what was it, it was like Chambers Brothers or something? Mm-hmm. Was, was, um, was uh, Boogie Wonderland. Yeah. It was like it was, Al had produced it on another group and Maurice heard it. You <laughs> <laughs> like, come here. You know, and wow. you know that's how that's how we ended up doing uh, Boogie Wonderland. Charles also dies during the. Did he die before the the spirit? Oh, uh, we after? were we were in it. Man. Yeah. Mid- wait. So, what, what did that do to the band's chemistry? And mm. what pressure was that on you guys to now take over the car? Now that you had no more driver. Yeah, I mean, it was immense, really, uh, because Maurice was so much in his zone um, with Charles. Because, see, he could think he could think as far as he wanted to think, as fast as he wanted to think. And Charles musically was able to galvanize things and and then Reese could make it help and and Al McKay could put, make a groove. So it was a it was a team, you know, and Larry Dunn could make it sweet, mm-hmm. you know, and me and Reese could do the vocals. So it was a great team, you know. When Charles left, there was a serious void because the only other person that that we found that Maurice really respected like that that we had success with was was uh, David Foster. So it's essentially David Foster, Charles's replacement. Like, did Char- no, not, did Maurice no need a father figure him. or just an equal? He, he didn't need. He re, the the issue was, you know, Reese really didn't respect a lot of different, a lot of people. Okay, you know, definitely need no father figure, you know, but he needed. So Charles wasn't a father figure. Well, but he was the only one. He was the only you could say, Rooney, get that shit out of here. <laughs> you know, that's how you talk. You know, you know. Right. He could. He's the only one that Reese. Reese could talk. Reece, how Reese talked to us. That's how to talk. Charles talked to Reese. Wow. Rooney, Rooney, get this shit out of here. You know, no. <laughs> you know, he. But because he really respected Charles in that in that kind of way, so nobody ever replaced him. You know, no one ever replaced him. But uh, David did have that same musical ability. Not the same, but he had, you know, had had a, a a credible music ability that Maurice respected. So we were able to. But besides wild, do things. Besides wild, was it in the dark, for new birth? Uh, uh wild flower. flower. Yeah. Besides wildflower, what what did David have that at least got his rep out there with people like yo? I'm I'm a mess with him or. Well, he. You know, he has a really good sense of songs. 
And, you know, like, um, and he was accomplished as a, as a, as a pianist. So him and Maurice were able to, you know, to craft, you know, like in the stone and all that kind of stuff. And Maurice was able to make it commercial. Okay. Okay. He, but David didn't come for all in all, did he? What is a serpentine fire? <laughs> serpentine <laughs> fire. <laughs> serpentine fire is is the is the male sex drive. Oh. So Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's something you take for the drive. No, it's a seven seven Cialis out here. Um, was how his passion, yeah. you know, you know, lust. Okay, on the on the male side. I and serpentine, <laughs> not Viagra, man. It's what you're supposed to have naturally. Oh, word. Okay, thank you. <laughs> anyway, so then all those lyrics will make sense to you now, and you would go read the lyrics now. Well, no, just seeing the commercial again with the with the whole you know pyramids and stuff. I just thought you guys are just on. Because I had to ask for you the same thing. Like, what the hell, serpentine fire? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna sing this, but. <laughs> All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So in 77... With with the dawning of disco, and you guys absolutely at your 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 the highest heights of of your creativity, Serpentine Fire was such a risky song to uh, put out. First of all, it's I mean it's half speed, so it's like seventy two BPMs. 
I mean, it's a hard funk song. But are you guys even aware of four on the floor cu- culture? And we hated it. <laughs> oh wow! What? <laughs> so you made a because this we hated it. To this, <laughs> I'm just saying. To this day, I can't even play. Yeah, what do you like, mix I, up fire in with? You like, don't you like. Yeah. Well, you can miss it with trap rap, like. But oh, it wasn't going nowhere. We we hated it, but it wasn't going to place. So Reese, we had to. You know, there was nothing we could do. You know, you know, Donna Summers had all those hits, and uh, um, uh, Maroder, what's his name? Maroder, Georgia Maroder. Yeah, George. And um, so our answer to uh, disco was uh, Boogie Wonderland. But that's seventy nine. But I'm saying in seventy seven was and, Wal- and Walter Yetnikoff like was Walter Yetnikoff saying like Where's my disco record? Yeah, like I gotta No one ever no one ever uh, executive didn't ever get in Maurice's artistic thing. You know, they never you know, that to my knowledge, no one ever came and said, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, you should do this, that or the other. Right. You know. Oh. I don't know who talked him in. I was probably Bob and Caval and Ruffalo talked him into the power light though. Man, I didn't even. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, leave power light alone. He wasn't talking. To, wasn't talking to me. Do you remember? Do you remember uh, recording uh, running? Do you mm. remember what that was like? Yes. Yep. Yep. What was the vibe like in that? Who was who, it supposed to be lyrics? No. Okay. Mm. That would have messed that song totally up. Man, that shit is too much. Jam, I would man. assume that body eye songs are songs that will later be added lyrics. Well, hence, uh, what's her name telling us? Allie, Allie Willis. Willis. With, uh, Allie Willis telling us about Boogie. Well, no, 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 no when she wrote Boogie September. Way. September, yes, right. September. She said that body eye was just a placement, and then they were going to think of something later, and it never got to it, so they just left it. Right. So, <clears throat> I just okay. So, yeah, running is one of my favorite. I love that song, man. Y'all sounded that I, I love that record. How did you guys get a relationship with Doug Henning? Because I'm totally forgetting that you guys right. damn near invented black theater. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug Henning is Doug Henning, the magician. He would have been the David Blaine of his day, right? Um, so a big part of black music culture is taking. The Chitlin Circuit or Motown, I guess the Motown Review was the the height of, of, of black excellence in concert. And what many will credit Earth, Wind & Fire to, to do, that will later inspire Parliament Funkadelic, and then further inspire the Jacksons, is is introducing theater Oh, just into concert. the stage. And, okay, gotcha, so gotcha. the idea of Verdine levitating during uh, uh, his bass solo or... Explosions and are the, the, the drums? And, we did the drums where the spinning drums. Yeah, where the, and Philly once my aunt cried. You're, I guess, doing that all the. Oh yeah. The, you remember this night? Yeah, where we go into <laughs> that pyramid thing and then you know it it disappears. Right. And then the 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 androids or whatever come up to the stage. Right. That put us in there. Right. And they take their hats off and, and it's, it's us. But wow. I think I think during the intro of the All in All tour, you guys came down these tubes. Yeah, and your it's tube, on the same. It's your on tube the same. Live off or something. Oh, right. It's on the same. That's on the same concert. The tubes and the the pyramid disappearing and right. The well, and I guess in the Philly show, your tube didn't go up. So like, 
guys had to run and lift, <laughs> manually lift you out or whatever, like the smoke and, she was, you know, added exaggeration. I guess he thought you were going to die or something. I don't know. But who, like, how do you guys rehearse that stuff or who, who conceptualizes? Is that all Duck Henning or? Now, you know, <clears throat> Verdine would know exactly because he's the, totally the historian. Um, I don't remember if Doug did that particular sh um, show because we were working with um, several people okay. at that time. All right. But, I mean. We, we was working with um, Doug Henning, David Copperfield. Oh, man. What? Really? Right. Right. And so did you feel a certain way? Did you guys feel a certain way when other acts, the Jacksons, uh, <laughs> were starting to levitate as well and explode? And hmm, let me just think. Yeah, I'm. I'm Would you go <clears throat> see shows? Oh, yeah, for sure. So if you're watching the Jacksons, like, oh yeah, because I went to Kansas. Are... I flew to Kansas City to, to watch the Jacksons and all that stuff. Yeah, man, but the, and it was. That was one of the best shows uh, I've ever seen. You know, just timing, the production, the performances, and all that stuff was like crazy. But did you guys feel like that this is your thing, and suddenly everyone else is taking a cue? Like, well, it really wasn't our thing, though. To be quite honest about, it. we were we maybe were the first African American band to start doing it. But you got to remember that the, the the rock groups were doing. Oh, I forgot. They yeah, were doing, kissing. They were doing stuff. Yeah, they were. All right, now I am. What What are your feelings on I am? If anything, I think you have a feeling about <laughs> I am more than race. No, I I am was still. Everybody was still in pocket. the The team was still together pretty much. Um, I am is probably the last great Earth Wind and Fire record. In your opinion. In my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion. So in in your mind, your classic canon, it ends with with I Am. Yeah, because it's all in all before that. Well, all in all, yeah, I Am all, and then Faces. Yeah. No, no. But Faces, no. Faces, I would faces, say. I found a couple of jam on I Faces. It's some joints on Faces. I, you know, I thought, I was, dis I was really disappointed. That faces didn't do better be because I did think it was. What sound. happened? Because all the elements were there. Like love goes on. Love goes no, on. No That's joint. Yeah. No, but what did Al, I say? Al you said all of the elements are there. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no pun intended. But yeah, all the elements were there. Do you think it would have fared better if you guys just made it a single album or? Yeah, probably for that. You know, when you you're thinking about it now. Um. That it still it, won gold, so it wasn't a failure. And it was a double record. I, it might have been better if they had done it. Who knows? But I thought that I thought the record was was sound. I wasn't mad at it. It, it had moments. It had moments to it. Um, my first, well, my first actual Earth Wind and Fire record that I own, I got for Christmas. My uncle brought me Touch the World. Believe it or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> System of Survival. Oh man, System of Survival. Oh, yes. System of yeah. Survival. <laughs> That that he's, was my first official. He's a young buck. and fire too. They're just babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but when y'all had the boys come out for heritage, well, heritage come on, y'all were, 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 were official. Y'all were official with me at that point. 
Man, I'm oh, glad you said oh, that. Because we got the boy. Yeah, oh, it the, worked. Oh, the boys. We got dogs. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. It worked for me. It, See, worked, it worked on me. We got yeah. on me. It worked you, you on those me. two. You had me. Y'all had me. I was like, because Heritage was 90... 91, 92, maybe? Might have been an age thing. I was 12. Yeah. The 12th I, 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 I definitely feel as though that album is responsible for why they are the sons of... What are they now? Sons Light. of Kim. Uh, sons of Light. Sons of Light. You know what they are now. Like They're... they're they like Earth, Wind, They're and Fire. They're Earth, Wind, and Fire. They moved <laughs> to they, Africa. Yeah, they moved to the continent. So they, they moved to Africa. They, they're they the sons of light. They have locks, long locks, and they no. where did their shikis you, you guys had an effect on them with, with the Heritage album because... And somebody plays the flute. One of them. Uh, yeah, 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 one of them, yeah. yeah. Uh, talk about the Illumination album, the one with... Because y'all worked with Brian McKnight on mm-hmm. the record. Um, and Raphael Sadiq. Raphael Sadiq. Yeah, what was that record like? And someone else. Yeah, but oh, you, right, were you on that record? No. Just the Japan edition, I think it was. Right, right. Oh, right. <laughs> oh damn. Ah, the Japan wah. edition. Back before record labels realized there was only one internet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, dudes. This will be out by midnight. No, it's out everywhere. But yeah, talk about that record. That was um for a lot of people considered like a quote unquote comeback record. But um, what was it like? What was the chemistry like with you and Maurice working oh, at that time? It, it, it was a, our chemistry was okay, but that was, it was a very tough time for us. Yeah, because he, you know, his uh, Parkinson's disease had really set, set in and it had taken a, his, the ability, his ability to perform and sing, you know, um, so he wasn't singing nearly as strong or, or you know, in the way that he would want to, he, you know, that he had in the past. So, you know, a lot of, I you know I did a a lot of singing on that record and then, then we started you know using um, other people too in in the in the backgrounds and stuff so it was you know it had mixed uh, emotions about it you know but uh, it was fun working with uh, everybody that was on you know worked with on, on the project especially. Um, Flow Tree, Flow Tree's on that project yep. too, Flo-tree. right? Right, yeah. and uh, Music Soul Chow, and yeah, it was good. It was fun. That was fun. Okay, so now let's reach back just a little bit. We we definitely have to get to your solo career, man. Yeah, because there's a generation of people, uh, black and white. Yeah, what do you mean by people? No, you're also an MTV award winner. I forgot. Easy, easy man, lover won. Man, walking on the Chinese wall. That was the best of both fields. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best of both fields. Both fields. What? <laughs> but you work with George Duke on continuation, right? Mm-hmm. You, uh, I know. Oh, that was a That's my joint. Uh, so my that album is Vaya, though. What'd you say? Vaya. That's my cut. Yes. So stepping away from the band, did you think at the time after Electric Universe that, okay, well, I'm leaving the band or is this like, why, what what took you so long to do a solo record? Mm, it, I didn't do, <clears throat> actually take me a long time because um, I was always doing other stuff, especially after the you know the extensive touring and all that kind of stuff. Um, just to have a different outlet um, wow. yeah. to to really you know just have my own autonomy. You were on a Polino da Costa album. Deja yeah, Blue. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I did three gospel albums. And yeah. then, I was going to ask because you got mm-hmm. a lot of play. Yeah, I want to Grammy for one of them for Triumph. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. on on Philly Christian Radio, you were a mainstay. But why weren't the Christian albums on CBS as well? It was on the subsidiary. Oh no, it was well, on. Mer- they were on. They were on Word. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and well, one Mer- was Murder and one right? was Mer- yeah. Yeah, they were same. Yeah, you know that was a different time and. Um, so Columbia didn't feel yeah, a certain they way? Didn't, yeah, they gave me the right to go and do that on a Christian label. Because they didn't have a right. marketing... Right, Christian uh, distribution and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. So what in promoting those records, how was the the circuit different? Like, well, I toured, you do... I toured with uh, Amy Grant. What was wow, that like? Really that was fun. Wow. You know, that was that was that was fun. That was fun too. I got I got all I got all my equipment so stole the second day of the of the of the, of the, of the uh, concert. Of the Christian circuit? Yep. yep. In the in Florida. How? They they, we, they backed Florida. they backed the, the truck up against the the uh the uh actual uh, hotel and stuff and, and took the ignition out, you know, cuz they cuz they knew that they said, you know, this in Florida they were notorious for stealing, you know, those you know those trucks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, they towed that truck away. Wow! They towed the whole truck away, and and I had to. I, I was in debt for three, four years. Pay, Wait, what? Had yeah, because I had to pay it for everybody's equipment. That was my first. No touring insurance. That was my first solo experience. <laughs> no touring. Ex, no touring. Touring insurance. insurance. None of it. I think Michael W. Smith did it. <laughs> <laughs> You are so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Okay, Michael W. Smith, you gotta tell. Like, give yeah. Your... That was her first husband. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I had to go. Amy there. Grant's first husband. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, Amy oh, Grant. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, because she's married. Okay, yeah, because she's married to Vince somebody Vince Gill. now. Yeah, thank you. Whoa, what? Vince Gill, yeah. yeah. They've been married for like uh, over decades. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Yo, as soon as they did that song, House of Love, you remember that? Yeah. I was like, there's something going on between them two. Because <laughs> that song was too good for just, you know, just to be a random just a duet. Christian, yeah. 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 Oh, Amy Grant, man. It was a period where only Christian radio was on in my household. Like, my parents just only did Christian radio. Same here. So, and, same here. And let me back. That, that introduced me to Philip Bailey's voice by way of Andre Crouch. Oh, okay. I've got the best. Right. Oh, come on, brother. I used to play that song to death when I was a kid. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that. Yeah. And Maurice did something with the, the Hawkins family. Yeah, we both did uh-huh, on their anniversary record. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Steve? Okay. Um, well, I'm sure everybody here knows the same amount as I do. About, I know, about but I, I feel horrible like taking all the Phil Collins. No. Um, so... Um, you and Phil Collins both have the same first name. Was that what's going on there? <laughs> is that a coincidence or the marketing scheme? Or, uh, That's uh, the whole field. <laughs> Wait, son. why? Okay, why did you want? Why was he your chosen producer for Chinese Wall? That's why a, did that you name it Chinese Wall? Oh, okay. Two questions. Because um, actually, the Phoenix Horns were playing with him. That's right. Yep. On his, you know, on his. Uh, uh, record and tour mm-hmm. and when they played in Los Angeles I went to the show mm-hmm. and and I wasn't really that familiar with Phil's music but I was very impressed with the the uh, the songs and stuff and I was getting ready to do my second record and so I said man it's a crazy idea but I let's see if Phil has any songs that I could do on my second record and the record company and my manager says, well, 
why don't we talk to him about producing your, you know, your second record? Oh man, that's how that happened. I know that was his dream. Yeah, because so we, yeah, that he was, always imagined himself that was a as a fun time. That's the fifteenth member of Earth, Wind, Fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun time. Fun time. From the video, it looked like it was a fun. Day. It was, it was very video, natural. Yeah. It was very natural. I mean, and, and, and nothing, none of that was staged. I know they just picked me. It looked up. too natural. Like, oh, what the video we talking about? They right? picked yeah. me up yeah. and from um, in the helicopter and to the uh, studio site. And cameras were running. Cameras running everything, and you know everything. They just filmed everything, and we got finished. We sang the song a couple times. They said. Okay, yeah, that's it. I said, well, we're going to do the video. You just, y'all just did it. You ever see the video live? Are you out of your, don't you ever, are you? <laughs> like, okay, I know, right. I know I'm I'll not the, I'm not yeah. the, y'all, but all right, come on, well, it's, it's easy. Usually I, know I, I, I know the dance explain. moves. Like, I know, that, okay. and then when they be, believe it, right. yes. Back in the day when HBO used to show music videos in between movies. Yeah. They did? Yeah, we yeah, won an MTV did. award for that, too. Yeah. Yes, you're mm-hmm. an MTV award winner as well. No, I was saying that Phil Collins is notorious for making all of his videos videos about making videos. Oh, <laughs> He's done it four times. Uh, I can't dance. Like uh, video directors explain to him in the video what you should do. Uh, Baby, don't you lose my numbers? Same thing where a video director is trying to explain to him. Well, let's do it like this. Let's do it like that. And Easy Lovers basically a very like candid just. Him and Phil, uh, uh, Philip, and uh, wow, Phil and Philip. You're right. Yeah, they no, both well, have the same name. <laughs> Why so did you send me right now? It's like one of the best videos of our time. Like, so, nah, Easy time. Lover. Like, yeah. my, man, e- I remember that song would come on, and like when I realized it was both Phil, mm-hmm. I lost my motherfucking yes. mind. <laughs> oh my God. And it's a video. Yeah, well, I it's to a, see them. Oh, they wait, friends. You, right, they, they friends. friends. <laughs> <laughs> Can we give it up? Because that's one of the greatest song intros ever, too. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. The intro. Wait, did we do it? We tried that once. Yeah, he before. sat in on the, on the show. No, uh, no, I'm talking about we... Uh, Would you sample it or something? I think during Game Theory, we mm-hmm. tried to f- figure out a way to incorporate that intro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Best intro ever. Yeah. Uh, are you... Are your songs allowed to ever... Be meshed in in Earth, Wind, and Fire shows or not? Like, I'm we, sure you have a contingency of people asking for Easy Lover during Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, you know we we did it for a, a little while. I mean, like a few shows or something like that. Back when um, Morris Pleasure um, was in the band, because Morris is a keyboardist and a bass player. Okay. So, and on that he would play the bass, um, but. Yeah, there's so many songs to do until we haven't done it. So I have one more question about Easy Lover. <laughs> uh, no, no. But were there other Phil Collins songs on on Chinese Wall that you can contribute no. to that? Mm-mm. No, that was the only that was the only one that we. I mean, we wrote that at the, at the end of the project because we was listening back to everything. We said we just always, that's, that's that's always, that's always the case. That's always the narrative. The, hit, the, the always big come hit to the end. always comes at the you know because you know what what needs to happen. And so Nathan started that bass thing, and we just trying to figure it out. Nathan then, East. Nathan East. Mm-hmm. Wow. Who are the other musicians on that album? Lissette. Uh, let me just look. It's right here in front of me. <laughs> uh, special shout out to Children of the Ghetto. Love that record too. That song. Yeah. Oh, that's... well, you have all the monsters on here. Or oh, you have a lot of. Okay. Of course, you have the the uh, 
the Phoenix Horns. Um, wait, Arif Martin uh, did your strings? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So now now that you're leader by default. Right. Um, how many shows do you, and you do a lot of shows with Chicago. Yes. Well, we've done Man. tours. We've done a lot of tours uh, with them over the last 15 years or so. Is Peter Cetera still singing with them? No. He's not. No, okay, no, he's no. Not. Okay. no. The guy who's singing, singing with them now is kind of like a ringer, though. Oh, word. Oh, I, I, I saw the show in 2015. It was a great show. So you ain't well, miss I'm, Peter. I'm wearing the shirt I bought at the show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I do have a question. I saw something that was kind of crazy. I saw Earth, Wind, and Fire on ice. Wow. Oh, right. The production thing. How did that come to be? Like, let me see. I don't. I don't even remember how. How that actually? I don't remember how it came to be. Yeah, it was, it was just crazy. I, I was turning the channel one day and. Um, at one point when uh, I think September was playing, I was like, wow, that's, that's a weird backing track. And then I realized that Earth, Wind & Fire was actually a part of huh. Earth, Wind & Fire on Ice. Uh, question about September. History has shown that that's probably the most loved Earth, Wind & Fire song. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I wouldn't have called, oh, September is going to be the... Well, we must be brothers of the same lodge then, because <laughs> when they got finished with it and they played it for me, I was like, crickets, crickets. Wow. <laughs> and I really? said, 
okay, it's all right. I said, sounds so simple to me. <laughs> I think that's the way, you know, because it was just that, you know, because we we're so used to having all kind of We all had the formula by on. then. and But I was totally wrong. Yeah, people have chosen it. Here's kind of a controversial question. Is there a fan favorite that you just don't like flat out? Not really. Besides reasons at weddings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. Okay. Were there any other records in y'all catalog that you thought would be bigger that like you really like, but maybe they didn't do as as well as you thought? Hmm, let's see. Uh, you know on. a song I really like? You should um and Love Goes On. Yes, that was off uh, Faces. Faces. Yes. I love that song. Yeah. Now, I thought that that was, you know, I thought the energy on that was really, was really That powerful. to me is, is classic Earth, Wind, and Fire. Actually, I, I have some questions from a friend of mine who's probably the biggest Earth, Wind, and Fire fan okay. on the planet. Um, here's one. I'm, I'll give you the, the easiest question first. Um, how did Brenda Russell come into the picture to write Song in My Heart for the Faces album? Got a song in my heart. That one. Well, you know, Brenda's iconic as a, as a lyric writer, and I was, I was so excited about. I worked with her quite a few times. Um, in fact, I had a little crush on her, really. <laughs> you know, but no, she's very, very talented. And uh, uh, Maurice uh, actually called her. Um, that's how we begin to you know to work together and stuff. But yeah. Um, and now for the the more more difficult questions. <laughs> um, astrology played a big part in the presentation in the name of the band. Were the other members of the band as observant of the philosophy as as Maurice was? No, not at all. Not at all. And um, just this must be deep. So let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah, like, would he ever like call? You know, let's talk about you know this and that, or like were there meetings where he wouldn't you know kind of explain things that he was thinking, or you know this is what the album cover means, or because there's a lot of symbolism going on on there. So, no, no, he never, he never did explain. Uh, no, no, you just saw it after the it was conceived, like. Some, at any time, did the band was like, you know, what the hell, what's all this crap, you know, or did it? You guys were just used to it. Yeah, not we were we were pretty much used to it because you got to under you guys you have to understand that Reese had he had the experience and he had the tenure. You know, he'd been on the road, he'd been t touring, he'd been successful as a writer, a producer, um, um, recording with with Chess. And perform with with uh, with Ramsey, we were just coming from Mama, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, know, and, you know, in college, you know, so you know, every day was a good day for us. You know, it's like, okay, which way we go now? You know, here's another easy one. Um, besides Milton Nascimento, am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, were, what were there were there any other Afro Latin musicians that inspired you guys? Like, what were you guys all listening to? Um, Fele, um, Kunte, what's his name? Fele, Fele Kunti. Yeah. Yes. Were you guys aware of him mm -hmm. in real time or like no, we were, just recent? We No, we were aware of him back in the 70s. How many, did you guys go to Africa during the heyday of Earth, Wind & Fire? No. 
Just to visit. Never, right. Never to play. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. I'd imagine an Earth, Wind, and Fire show in, like, in Egypt. Be, dude. Ooh. Dude. That's yeah. crazy. I swear you guys, like, went there. So all those, like, interludes and stuff, that was just, like, visiting, Mari's visiting or that sort of thing? And No, no. We went to, 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 uh, we went to Egypt. We, you know, all the stuff that the pyramid stuff that you're talking, right? Speaking of, no, we were there. We went there just to visit. Wow. As a, you know, yeah, we went to visit. Is that the only country you guys visited in the continent? Just um, yeah, and on the just to visit of Africa. The, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so today, uh, you're you're working on solo uh, material right now. You you have a project coming up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's called Love Will Find a Way. Okay, and um, it's a collective project of um, some like great friends, Chick Corea and mm-hmm. Christian McBride. Yeah, Christian. Man, man. Yeah, I went man. to high school with Christian. Yep. Yeah, man. Yep. Yep. Um, Kamazi Washington. Wow. Oh, whoa. Wow. You know, um, uh, Christian Scott. Um, More jazz leanings, or well, you know, it's a. Uh, it's a record that we we took a couple blouse on the record. Wow. You know, okay. Uh, we we took a couple songs that um, kind of reflected the times that we're that we were struggling uh, in the '60s and stuff because we did some um, uh, Curtis Mayfield joints. Okay. Um, but uh, Robert Glasper um, flipped them, okay. so Robert's you know on the project, and. Uh, it's a it's a hot it's a hot project. It really is. It's it's gonna come out with on Verve. Oh nice. Man. When? when? Um, well, we're trying to get a re- release date. We had uh, we were just with them today actually. But it it was it's a it's probably one of the projects I've. Yeah. Usually, you ask somebody about their about. their new stuff, and it's like, mm. I, <laughs> yeah, this, like uh, this when, sounds uh, sounds good. Can't yeah. wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, who? Who, who who comes to mind after I stutter that impresses you vocally today? Like not not they don't have to be a new artist. I just mean when you think presently of who's alive and who's still impressing you vocally. Um, shoot, uh, you know a lot a lot of artists are actually. No, I'll well, say it for you. It's not new. I mean, it could be you know you you've had you've named some names on your album that right, are like well, young who, but who you go to like when you just want to hear some music and. You know, I love Layla. Okay. So you have um, a young voice. And, uh, of course, Bilal. And uh, who else I listen to, Trini? Shoot. It's, um, I'm trying to think of who just really sticks out that is young. Today. Gospel. Huh? Trinity said gospel. Yeah, I listen to a lot of gospel. And I, and I listen to a lot of jazz and stuff, all the young jazzers. Okay. You're on Astroworld. Uh, how did Travis Scott uh, come to get you for the album? Well, uh, it was very quick, and um, <laughs> really, yeah, it it was just kind of one of one of those things that we have the uh, same manager, yeah. and wow. so Damien's been managing me for a long, long time. In fact, he was best friend with my my oldest son, you know, back in Denver. Sir, so, huh, sir. No. Yes, sir. Yeah, he has the best How, How's sir, sir doing? He's doing well. Give him, give him a hello. Yeah. Give him a QLS fam. So anyway, so yeah, um, you know, that 
uh, song "Stop Turning" be God. Yeah. That uh, me and Stevie guessed it on a little bit. That's that's how that came about, actually. And uh, you know, the rest is history, really. Wow, impressive. You're still going strong in hypothetical situation because I thought you were going to ask Sergeant Peppers. I was going to earlier. I'm but, thinking of all the I questions forgot, that I, I, we're forgot gonna... I forgot. I forgot about that, but. Um, this is a hypothetical situation. I am going to ask about that, though. I'm giving you a blank check. You can do whatever you want with it. Like, you can record whatever you want with whoever you want, wherever you want. What do you think you would do with that? Wow, that's so huge. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? what is what is your dream project? I, I actually think that I just did it, um, you know, on this project that, that we just did. I definitely think that I... I just did it. Um, you know, to be able to to do what you want to do with the people that you've always respected and stuff and and to finish it and, and people that are listening or saying or having comments that you're hoping when in your in your creating the project that you, they'll ha- you'll have, mm-hmm. you know, it's very gratifying and stuff. So, you know, yeah, I think I we we just did it. Yeah. I can so. save my money then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm checking for that one. And by the way, I loved off the last, the Dirt Fire album from 2013, Splashes. I really love that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's strong as dope. So, Are you going to ask Phil. a twins question? No. I, <laughs> I, I was. Outside outside and in. <laughs> any, any chance of, a, of reuniting with the other Phil for a follow up <laughs> singer? <laughs> I can't yeah. believe you brought I don't up twins. Know. Bro. You never know. You never know. Oh, Wait, oh right, the movie right. twins. That's right. Oh, right. right. The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Hello, Hello, Richard. Little Richard. Yeah. Little Richard. Oh, wow. I yes. I only bring it up because whenever a set of twins comes on the to- Tonight Show, you guys play that. That's always the song we played. So <laughs> oh. we know twins left and right. Man, how do you? You know, let me ask you this off the cuff. But when I when I was uh came on the show, uh huh. How do you guys just like you look like you guys are going like. A thousand miles a minute in real time, yeah. I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure that you have it with the band as well. But there's a point after maybe ten years where you guys just, you know, you know each other so well. Okay, that you talking like we're to the point now. I would, I would probably say that maybe in five years, we get the roots. The roots and I can probably have a conversation without speaking a word. We're now to the point where we know how to communicate with each other with rhythm. Like, if someone, if someone like real bad enters a room, like whatever, like we have a rhythm for that, and all of a sudden it's it's mm-hmm. it stands of attention. Like, which one? And then if it's uh, like I have to do a code to let you know, <laughs> third row, four up. <laughs> That's Morris. And then no, no, literally, but it's it's we we have a language like we're just you you do it. I think the the, the whole point of the whole ten thousand hours of equals genius practice thing is that when you do it so much that you're able to do other things and have other forms mm-hmm. of communications. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's what it really seems like. Yeah, I mean, we have fun doing it, and you know, uh, I guess this is the point where we're just in the zone with each other and we're actually friends we're friends now more than we've ever been in the 30 years that we've like known each other or i'm mean, a combination of mm. uh, we've all the configuration you see now has 
as somewhere between like ten to twenty years into it. But okay. Yeah, I think there's a point where you just you grow up and then you're you're just friends. So, what was it like doing that thing with you that you did with us? You know, okay. Here's the thing. I have two experiences. Okay, so I, I had the, 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 the pleasure of working with Earthworm and Fire back in 2000. I think the Voodoo Tour was doing like a week in L.A. So, uh, and I had two experiences. One with you and Sarah, and then one with Maurice. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is that really, really being like green and wet behind the ears and still like new that sort of thing. And talking to Maurice, um, and just like, you know, going through our whole fan out thing. And of course I know like How you many know, Columbus you got? He was, yeah, it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like that sort of situation where, you know, I was basically set myself up for a fall. But, you know, Maurice has said that, you know, I want what's in the future. And I was like talking about sound and everything. And the first thing he mentioned was like your 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 snare drum sound is is real low, and in my mind I'm like, well, that's the sign of class. That's the sound of classic earth, wind, and fire. Like, you know, deep snare. And he's like, nah, man, I want like, give me today, give me what you want. And I remember being just a little heartbroken the fact that he didn't trust the process that we today are looking to what, you know, like yeah. What y'all were doing? Like, that's not what he he over that shit, right? Like, and we done just, did that. It'd be like if somebody asked you to to you know get an upright base of roads and and. But here's the thing, though. Now the difference between you telling me this now, and maybe you tell me this back in two thousand two, I almost feel as though when artists are like, Psh, like I used to do that, or that's the old me. Well, first of all, no one likes ageism. You know what I mean? So no one wants to feel like, ah, oh, man, was my best work 30 years ago and I just don't want to admit it. I I feel as though maybe it's a fear of not matching up. You know, do I have a fear of not being 22-year-old Amir that was working on Do You Want More in Illadelph Half-Life? So a lot of times we just tend to go linear and go for it. But I feel as though you should go circular. So... Yes. Now today, I will totally get an upright bass in a Fender Rhodes. And <laughs> I mean, I damn near work with the same equipment. So I'm lucky enough to, one, be cheap enough to not have upgraded. Did y'all or- ever upgrade Pro Tools? Did y'all finally do that? In the- no. It's, see, Steve. <laughs> We're on Pro Tools one and a half. <laughs> Steve has convinced me to not upgrade so that we don't lose the vibe of what we've had for, wow. for 20 years. But can you Part lose a digital vibe? Though? Is that even a thing? Like, is that, is so I'm saying with, with you and Sir, though, y- y'all kind of gave me room to do my thing. So, I, you know, I'm still pleased with the song. I wish we, we, we could have fleshed out the, the song idea some more. So. But, you know, it was enjoyable. I, I, I'm always going to have a great story to tell. And it's on the Promise album. And it, yeah, yeah, it is so. on the Promise record. Yeah. yeah. So I will say that on behalf is there anything else before? No no more. You sure? I'm trying to, yeah. I y'all just, don't let Mr. Bailey go home. I am, I am. Y'all act like y'all ain't going to never see him again. Hey, man, we, we got to give our heroes their flowers You should, and yes. You know what I mean? No, for real, we, we appreciate you coming on the show, and this is, 
definitely one of our nah man this is an honor your music has been the soundtrack of my entire life and just we thank you well thank you let me i gotta say one thing before 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 we go to mouse (laughs) 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 that now i hear that mouse was saying that earth wind and fire don't play their music Oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, time out. Oh, Shout out. Let me I was wondering if this was gonna get brought up. Let me Ooh. say no, let me save Mouse's ass. No. What I was saying, I brought up I brought up the difference between what had happened was <laughs> on a previous on a previous episode okay. of Quest Love Supreme where Greg we, Killing Games. We were talking about Okay. So he was talking about the, the crafting of Heartbreak Hotel by the Jacksons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how initially uh, the 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 bass tones and the bass sounds of of fantasy, like all all those inflections. Uh, there have been rumors or whatnot that again that that Earth Wind and Fire was more like a Beach Boys situation, where Maurice White as uh, Brian Wilson as Brian Wilson using the the Wrecking Crew. Like using his house musicians to record Earth, Wind, and Fire records versus the people whom we saw on stage. So we were discussing that theory, but he he didn't say that you guys weren't playing on your records. But we did delve into that for at least five minutes (laughs) on whether or not that was true or not. No, no, no. But I mean, for the most part, that's that's one of the biggest smoke and mirror tricks that a lot of music fans. Don't know. I mean, for this case in point, James Poyser might as well be an original root member because he's been there since yeah. the beginning. He just finally, like, you know, gave up. I wore him out and just like, all right, well, now you're in the group. But for the longest, James Poyser has. I was uh, rereading the Things Fall Apart liner notes the other day, and there was all these uh, James, y'all gonna pay me this time? Right. <laughs> Poyser quotes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. So that was it. No, I'm, Mouse Mouse did not insinuate that. Whatsoever. All right, Mouse, you're off the hook. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much. On behalf of Fontigolo, Boss Bill, Unpaid Bill, Vincent in Action, and Sugar Steve, and the Sugar Steve Network. <laughs> and it's Laia. This is Questlove. Thank you very much, Philip Bailey, for coming on the show. It's been, thank you. It's been honor. fun. Oh, my God. Thank you. Fun. And we will see you next week uh, on Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.